0: Stick around after our episode for the question and answer section. We made it a year. One year's a long time to be doing this.
1: I know we're so much wiser than when we started.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the look you gave me <laughs> So much wiser, yes.
1: um, I've learned a lot about Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, how to get to the mentions.
1: <laughs> Only took like eight months. so
0: welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy. I'm Luke, and I'm Emma. This week, we're discussing chapter 24, Neat Bay, on our one year anniversary, episode 52.
1: That's so neat, Bay. <laughs> uh, Luke looks dead inside.
0: <laughs> I don't just look it, I, I am dead inside. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We start out here with a uh, a reintroduction to the Pact Man uh, that he's just used as a harbinger of doom and destruction and death and pestilence and all the bad things. And he's often used in puppet shows as well as a general omen of disaster to come.
1: And this is a reminder from last book. I think we mostly knew this because of last book when chade and fitz were seen by the very first raiding village yeah uh, which is kind of poetic.
0: survivors of forge i believe it was yeah. yeah
1: and it's kind of poetic because now it's chade coming to fitz in the middle of the night to tell him that there is death coming so yeah maybe he is the pock man
0: <laughs> i mean literally he is but from the stories <laughs> <laughs> so the beginning of this chapter is a little bit Interesting. We've seen it a couple times before, where Robin Hobb has done this, but it's kind of a a smattering of small little scenes that spark up to a big one that mm-hmm. we'll have to discuss. So it's like what Fitz has been doing in the meantime of the past couple days, right? And his little interactions like that.
1: It's a good way to move the narrative along. To for for months being in between them.
0: Yeah. And I don't think this is necessarily months in between, but it is in winter still as far as I can tell in the chapter, so it's not full months, but it's definitely probably at least a week of (laughs) Fitz moping around.
1: I think it's longer than a week. It feels like at least a month.
0: Yeah, maybe. Winter's
1: long. I assume it's similar to what a Wisconsin winter where it's 6 months out of the year.
0: <laughs> True. So, it doesn't say that the winter is fully passed though, so. Right. It, right. it is it is some time skip here and we get a little overview of what Fitz has been doing and what he's been acting like and feeling. Right. So we get a little overview of Fitz from where we left off. Molly and him have split f- temporarily right saying that I can't be by you because I'm bringing danger on you let me deal with this my way and that makes him sad of course
1: <laughs> right and he of course feels very alone
0: <laughs> yes he feels very alone he says he's snappish to those who spoke to me casually moody when I checked on Biric, reticent with the queen chade the only one whom I could have unburdened myself did not summon me and he's also paranoid about all of uh about the visits from Serene and Justin because he doesn't know if he is going to get poisoned or killed or anything like that. Right. He's still only eating what he prepares himself. He's checking everything super carefully. Mm -hmm. He's just being ultra paranoid right now.
1: Right. And he's distancing, himself from everyone, including Burek. It says he's trying to go as quickly as possible just to help with the healing process, because he's worried that that will also bring danger into Burek's life. And he's so scared and this is what we see fits do all the time uh whenever he gets scared he closes in around himself and just puts up more walls yeah. instead of leaning on other people for help which we see you want to do that when he talks about chade but he can't because chade is under hiding so. yes
0: and he can't even leave buckkeep still because he's Quarantined inside the castle walls yeah. and doesn't want to sneak out the secret way in case he is watched and then he gives away the secret of night eyes mm-hmm. and the secret that he is truly old blood. Yes. He calls on uh, Shrewd daily. Yeah. So that's one of the tasks that he does do. But it's still... It's still very sad to him because he can see the king deteriorating before his eyes and mm-hmm. the fool getting more and more morose and his humor more acid, as Fitz remarks. It's just a a worsening situation that they can't really do much about. And within Buckheap, there's still balls and parties and everything going on, so it's a really sharp contrast to what Fitz is feeling. There were masked balls and summonings of minstrels to compete for fat purses. The inland dukes and nobles ate well at Regal's table and drank well with him late into the night. We get a little scene with him talking to Biric about this, too, where Fitz is in the depths of his depression and and cynical feelings towards the whole situation. Mm -hmm. Where he says, like, all these nobles and everyone here are like ticks to a dying dog. They're just parasites. And Biric kind of questions him of who's dying and Fitz replies, everyone.
1: (laughs) Which, fair enough. One day at a time, we're all dying. Did no one ever tell you that? Okay, Fitz, calm down. Yeah.
0: Little little over the board there, a little over the top. Mhm. as we see in this small scene, his his leg is healing slowly, but it is healing, and he's still drinking.
1: Yeah. He says the wound doesn't feel healed inside, which I think is more of a metaphor than anything. And also, along with his drinking, Burek has been avoiding the stables. Yeah. He's kind of left everything to hands. And this is, I think, a little bit of him running away, too.
0: Oh, 100%. Definitely yes.
1: where, see where Fitz gets it. But I think last chapter, the chapter before, I was a little harsh, saying, how come Fitz couldn't get Burek's good qualities? <laughs> but Obviously, Burek also has a problem with facing what's bothering him Yeah, as he holds himself up and just drinks whenever he is not on duty watching the Queen.
0: Yeah, so his Fitz remarks that his days had a pattern now. Once he left Ketrickin's door in the morning, he went to the kitchen and ate. Then he came back to his room and began drinking. After I appeared and helped him change the bandaging on his leg, he would drink until it was time for him to sleep and wake up in the evening just in time to eat and then go guard Ketrakin's door. He no longer did anything in the stables. He had given them over to Hans, who went about looking as if the job were a punishment he hadn't deserved. Every other day or so, patients sent Molly up to tidy Beric's room for him.
1: And we get into... Fitz being worried about Molly because clearly Burek is drinking a lot. There's lines of empty bottles on his shelves that grows and he's worried about Molly being reminded of her father. And I think it's really interesting that he's so worried for Molly, but also she's a big girl. She can handle herself.
0: Yeah. He he still does say that he wants them to get to know each other, though. Mm hmm because I and I thought that little offhand comment was really cute because it is his father pretty much and that is what he thinks to be his future wife which is true but just in you know 20 years fits so Uh
1: yeah but I mean you know you want your parents to like your significant other and vice versa and it would be hard to see be like no no I swear he's better than this normally (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's not always a drunken sod and And Molly has such a cut and dry line about people who drink, that I could see where his nervousness comes from. But poor Fitz, he's like, I hope they like each other. And then later he'll probably be regretting that thought.
0: They get into a little conversation about Molly as well. And Fitz tells him or hints at, and Birk picks up on that people are threatening to hurt her or are planning on hurting her because of her association with Fitz and Fitz lets out that, yeah, some people, more than a couple, know that Molly and I like each other and have spent time together. Biric, of course, is very irate at this and, like, you don't bring your women or your loved ones into your own problems. Right, which is it mm. yeah like we're both we're both <laughs> over here looking at each other that's not a great thing but also yeah you don't want people to get hurt because of your actions right
1: it, it's just, i think the way he says it is the sentiment so, is
0: right but yeah. the whole cut and dry line is not right of where no. they draw that line
1: right and then i think it's made worse by the fact that directly after rebuking Fitz for letting his woman be in danger because of his actions he takes on ownership of molly almost by saying uh yes i will protect her and convince her that what you're doing is right and patience was right to send her to me and it's kind of i didn't like it i don't know if you had any reactions to it or thoughts about it but i didn't love this whole macho like clearly patience is sending molly to me because molly needs protection when Lacey could protect Molly just fine (laughs) I think it's I don't think there's that underlying motive I think Molly is being sent there to help because she is capable of doing it and maybe it is a little to be like see what you would get if you married Fitz (laughs) but I don't think it's like oh Burek can take care of her you know
0: I think this was more comforting Fitz I didn't see it as Biric just kind of bragging because Fitz explains the situation explains the right, couple people right. so I found it as like Biric reassuring Fitz of like oh well then I will tell her that you're worried about her because he knows that you right. can't see her at the moment I'm going to tell her that if she fears danger she must come to me I am more in a position to deal with it he looked up and met my eyes i'm going to tell her that you are wise to stay away from her for her sake so he's like comforting fits and kind of like reassuring him that i'm i'm gonna help you through this situation it's right. really bad that you did it i i agree the patience was right and she was wise to send her to me is a little it's it's a little too macho taking ownership of the situation, but I think right there the patience was right was referring to you should have just stayed away from Molly entirely. Mm. And I think that's why Fitz says, I blanched to consider the full implications of that statement. Because right. I think he's saying like your whole dalliance with Molly was a huge mistake. You put her in grave danger because of who you are. Right. So I think it was more like a, a subtle reprimand and not like she sent her here to you know for me to protect her
1: and she Um, was
0: patience was right in that
1: that's fair i hope that's more of the reading it was supposed to be i think personally i just looked at it like wow okay this is weirdly uncharacteristic for you (laughs) and did not enjoy this section but also he's been drinking a ton and is clearly not at his best at the moment he's probably really struggling with the trauma he just went through so him saying things a little out of character isn't that weird and also finding a purpose in protecting someone isn't the worst thing to do that's, i think it's that's what
0: he does that, yeah, that is what he does to stop he, his grieving process usually
1: right somebody else needs me and so i have mm-hmm. to get better which is admirable but i think just the way he did it specifically, specifically in this section i didn't like because it made it feel like molly doesn't have any agency of her own or she mm. wouldn't be capable of protecting herself and yeah. i just didn't like that aspect of it
0: he drank his brandy down then looked at me at looked at the bottle slowly he slid it across the table toward me put that back on the shelf for me will you he requested so getting this story from fits and, and realizing the implications that a serving woman who doesn't have a lot of power or mm-hmm. you know capability to protect herself from higher forces is in danger he's like oh i will take on the task of like i'll be the go-to if she needs anything Mm -hmm. he's like i can protect somebody i need to stop drinking i need to be available all the time rather than just sober for my shifts with the queen
1: right yeah and i mean ultimately it's good and if that's what he needs to like get out of this funk that's fine i don't know i think Clearly he learns to respect Molly and they have a great relationship later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not gonna hold it against him for one thing he says in this series. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I was just I think that I was very interested to see your take because of how I read it.
0: Yeah. And so Fitz continues on with a explanation and a discussion on what the folk The regular folk of the six duchies and town kind of think. He only gets certain rumors because he can't leave the castle, really. So he gets hints and pieces from the stable boys and things like that. Soldiers Mm -hmm. won't talk to him much anymore. And it's it's pretty much hands in the stable boys telling him that things are still getting shipped out and going inland and people are thinking, oh, well, I guess They can't protect their own land, and the Farsiers are just going to abandon Buckkeep. (laughs) Yeah. If the king could not hold his own castle, what hope was there for them? And when a shipment of fine old tapestries and furniture was sent upriver as well, the murmur became that soon the Farsiers would abandon Buckkeep entirely, without even a fight, without even waiting for an assault. I had the uncomfortable suspicion the rumor was correct. And we know that's true. Regal, this whole time has been prepping to abandon the outer coast and move inland. And that's that's been his plan. We've known that for at, at least a half a book. Right. If not more. Mm-hmm. And it's coming true because Verity is gone, can't really stop it. People distrust Ketrickin because of his propaganda and his rumors that he's spreading. Mm-hmm. And King Shrewd is incapable of doing anything beyond his pain. And, right his painkillers
1: and it's so interesting because people aren't talking about regal being the one scared and running away they're saying it's the king and that's what i found the most interesting unless they're now just openly referring to Regal as the king which i kind of doubt right at this moment i don't think the average person in buckkeep specifically is going to be that treasonous maybe some of them but just the general sentiment of like oh the king is scared I think is really interesting because of how sick he is. And it almost feels like people really don't understand that it's not the king pulling the strings right now.
0: I mean, Fitz didn't even realize how sick he was. So everyone else is thinking that Regal is fourth in line for the throne right now. How would he be directing anything that the king does? Right. And with the queen in waiting in the castle right now, without the king in waiting, she would be second in line or second in command as usual. Mm-hmm. However, she's a foreigner from the Mountain Kingdom, and if they're abandoning the coast, they're moving back closer to her homeland. Maybe they would right. put more blame on her for moving.
1: Right. And it's so interesting because it's Regal saying, oh, I'm sending them there for safety, but not Regal getting the negative side effects of that.
0: Because I'm sure Regal's like, oh, the crown is sending them here, and right. we're doing this. And It's
1: just so interesting yeah. how clever... Regal has been oh, yeah. in the background of this whole story because Very. we don't hear every little thing Regal's doing. We don't get to see the niceties Regal says to spread rumors that are positive about him. We just hear the little tidbits, and it makes it really interesting because that means that there is still a whole world going on in the background of the series that we are not aware of unless Fitz turns his eyes to that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Fitz goes through more rumors here. Fitz is confined to the keep still, so people are gossiping about, oh, maybe it's because he didn't save that that little girl in the forest from the forged ones or whatever.
1: I found that rumor to be more about the way he attacked the forged ones. Yeah, it's, it was
0: talk had flown about me on the day I had failed to save the little girl, so I'm sure it's about like the result of the the mm-hmm. whole scene.
1: Setting the tone of he's a beast man.
0: Right. And that's where, like, he mentions that the soldiers didn't really talk to him anymore. He gets most of his information from stable hands because he's welcome in the stables. But also Fitz doesn't want to hang around there too often or hang around often around anybody at anybody at all, right? Because he doesn't want them to be targeted either. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be too close to the horses or any of the animals either.
1: Right. To put
0: more association on him.
1: It's just really sad to watch. I mean, he's getting away from all support systems in any capacity. He's not talking with the the guards, which partially is because they're all spreading rumors about him.
0: Well, they don't talk to him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They're nice to him, but not like uh, conversational anymore, but also Fitz isn't a super open person. And I'm sure he's shutting people out just as much as they're worried to talk to him. Yeah. And I think if he would have come at it with an open attitude of, hey, isn't it so weird that I don't get to go anywhere and made jokes about it or something? I think he could have left that door open, but he's just so used to closing every single door. That could be true, yeah. That I think that he's just...
0: Emotionally unavailable to everybody.
1: Strengthening his own bars of his own cage.
0: Talk is still about how Verity and his quest... Was you know, it was always ridiculed and um, looked down on. That it wasn't really worth anyone's time to do that. And also, as Regal was draining the warehouses of all food and, and stores for the winter, people didn't see any reason to conserve anything anymore. So there, there were more wild parties. Fires broke out once in a while. It was just getting unruly in the town
1: there's no sense of community anymore he even says that hope had perished it is kind of true and it's being reflected and i think this is more king shrewd's fault than is usually given him the blame for because i know technically right now he's sickly
0: it started a while ago though but
1: yeah this is Directly because of choices Shrewd made. This started before Ketrickin even came to the castle. Mm -hmm. And I think if he would have made a stronger stance then, that maybe people wouldn't be as ready to bash on all the Farseers and to be so hopeless. I don't know. Maybe just all of the unsuccessful guards, raiding parties, or anti-raiding parties, I don't know. (laughs) Just because they've been so unsuccessful against the Red Ships, it's been... Really hard for them to keep up hope. And it would be, especially with everybody moving out of the castle, basically.
0: Yeah, what is this? Three years, maybe? Since the first start of the war? I think so. So it started a while ago, but also a three years long war of directly being raided and don't know if you're going to get attacked next. Mm-hmm. That does wear on your morale a bit.
1: And not only three years of attacks, but instead of the restful winter like normal now they have taken hold yeah north of you it's and looking could at worse. any moment come here mm-hmm. yeah
0: so fitz wakes up one one morning and it just feels wrong to him everything is is not feeling like it should feels a tickling of skill against his senses and he didn't know whether that was Verity trying to get contact or Justin and Serene, so he can't really reach out. So he's, he's living in that paranoia still. And he goes to visit the king as usual. He skilled feebly toward me, sitting up and smiling vaguely. Ah, Verity, my lad. How did your sword lesson go today? The rest of his conversation made as much sense. Regal appeared almost immediately after I arrived. He sat on a straight-backed chair, arms crossed on his chest, and looked at me. No words were exchanged between us. I could not decide if my silence was cowardice or self-restraint. I escaped him as soon as I decently could, despite a rebuking look from the fool. And I just wanted to read that out because I'm sure that's how most of his visits with the king go. Yeah. It's just... A f- more and more deteriorated king with the fool looking more and more haggard and Regal just chaperoning everything.
1: Right. Well, they know Fitz is somehow getting messages to Verity. So he needs to see what exactly he could tell Verity. But also I find this interesting, the beginning part of this, where he comes in and there's a little bit of skill reaching towards him from shrewd. And he immediately says, ah, Verity, we know that Chivalry and Verity did not look like twins. They weren't. They probably looked related. They looked like but,
0: brothers, but, but not, they were definitely different. Some siblings builds.
1: could be twins, even though they're yeah. definitely not. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think these are brothers that looked similar in that way. And so I think Shrewd is using his skill the same way Fitz uses his wit, and because he can feel Verity in verity's skill presence in fits and Fitz probably has walls up so tight that his own is not really spilling out right that he's oh it's verity so it's like a really interesting thing to see somebody not use their eyes that isn't fits with a different magic because i think Fitz's is more wit and so it's feeling based whereas there's way more limitations with the skill
0: i really like that Uh, I do want to offer a boring alternative to that. Mm -hmm. And it's just as you get old and your mental faculties decline, often people will call other people by different names. Right. Or, you know, I don't know. My grandparents have, have often called me by my cousin's name and then corrected themselves or something. My great grandparents once in a while called me by a different name. Right. And sometimes that happens, and we know Shrewd is super sick. So, right, I do, I do really like that theory that Shrewd is using his skill more because his actual senses can't really function right now with how much pain and and how much the medicine is deadening him. And I like the fact that he could use the skill to identify people. But another alternative would be that he's just sick and old.
1: Right. Well, I brought up chivalry earlier because we know Fitz is basically a carbon copy of his father. right? Yeah. And I would think if he was going to mistake him from anyone, would it would say be chivalry. chivalry, especially if he's asking about Verity's horse lessons, which sword, are sword lessons, sword lessons sorry, yeah. which are probably from when he was a teen. Right. If not a little older. So clearly he doesn't know what time period they're in. But I think recognizing Verity's spirit or whatever you want to call it could make him be like, Oh yes, it's definitely Verity. And he yeah. probably had sword lessons. Maybe that's a Verity did. he always came in after sword lessons or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, know, I like it. I don't know,
1: but I, I guess it could be something boring too.
0: <laughs> and so with this particularly dreary day fits escapes, the king as quickly as possible, goes back to his room and starts drinking.
1: He also reflects that the fool is probably in just as much danger, if not more than he is, because the king is the only thing separating the fool from being attacked by Regal.
0: Yeah, that's his only protection.
1: Yeah, and the king is very clearly on death's door. So what happens to the fool next? And he feels bad that he can't help the fool, which I thought is really sweet because. Even in this state of. I don't know distress where he's constantly looking over his shoulder and feeling like at any moment he could be killed. He's still worrying about everyone else, which is true about everyone in his life, but I think especially the fool because the fool is so weak, yeah, and has no one else. Mm-hmm. And whereas Molly has a network of friends probably and People like Patience and Burek in her corner. And the fool is just so different that he doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. So it's just nice that he always wants to help people that he feels are vulnerable. Whether or not it's misplaced, it is sweet.
0: So with Fitz getting drunk, drinking more and more, he eventually passes out. And comes awake to Chade standing over him, ready to shake him awake. Get up, you sodden fool! Idiot! Nipe is under siege! Five red ships! I wager they'll leave nothing standing if we delay. Get up! I staggered to my feet, the muzziness of drink giving way before the shock of his words. What can we do? I asked stupidly. Tell the king, tell Ketrakin. tell Regal. Surely not even Regal can ignore this. It is at our very doorstep. If the red ships take and hold Neat Bay, they will have us bracketed. No ships will get out of Buck Harbor. Even Regal will see that. Now go, go. He rushes up, uh, tries to, you know, get some clothes on before he runs out, (laughs) and then turns around as he's about to run away and asks Chade, how do i know this whence do i say this warning comes jade hopped up and down in frustration tell them anything tell shrewd you had a dream of the pocked man scrying in a pool of water he at least should understand that tell them an elderling brought you the news say anything but get them to act and now he races off and starts hammering on shrewd's door Burek is up at that night at Mm -hmm. that time because that's what he does guarding ketchikan's door and Fitz tells him exactly what's going on. He yells it down the corridor. He knocks on Ketrikin's door and he's let in right away. Fitz has a little Birick bit... Har- does, or, yes. Yeah, excuse me. Biric knocks on Ketrikin's door and it gets let in right away. Fitz has a little harder time getting into Shrewd's yes. uh, chamber.
1: Until he suggests that maybe it would be best if...
0: If Wallace himself
1: (laughs) himself gave the news to Regal. Wouldn't Regal be so happy? And then he's like, oh, yeah, you're right, and leaves, which of course he does. I I believe it was the prospect of making a dramatic
0: entrance and conferring with the prince before all the merrymakers that decided him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because he does step aside to the side room to get ready, powder his nose, so to speak. (laughs) But it is really interesting, just to back up a little bit, that... That's probably why Chade does know. He was scrying. Oh, yeah,
0: he was. 100%.
1: And also, King Shrewd knows that Chade can scry reliably. Which is really interesting that this is the first time it's brought up, I believe. I don't think Chade has talked about this skill at all up until this point.
0: Uh, he has. Oh. Yes. The The first time they went to Forge, I think. I think he mentioned that. Or maybe it was the first... <sighs> I think it was the first time they went to to Forge.
1: Hmm.
0: He mentioned it.
1: I've already forgotten it then. but
0: Or maybe we just knew it. Yes. So we didn't recognize that he said it or if he didn't say it.
1: Right. It's really hard whenever you do <laughs> know all the information. But I'm pretty sure, at least from my memory, that like I don't remember it being brought up before now. Right. I don't think Fitz knows that that's really how Chade got the information. Although he might be still slightly drunk, so... He probably doesn't really know much (laughs) of what's going on. True. He's just been trained to do what he's told.
0: Fitz gains entry to the king's bedchamber and he grabs a candle and tries to go to the bed and almost steps on the fool who is curled up like a dog at the king's, and on the floor, at the foot of the king's bed. Yeah. Fitz is astounded that he's there and laying down and, and tells the fool what's going on. And the fool basically says that I can't really leave. I'm not afraid to go back to my room. I'm afraid to leave this one.
1: Right. Because Fitz does ask why he's there. Yeah. And what's happening. And he mentions also that the fool had little more than a rug. Mm-hmm. He was not even a pillow or a blanket. So very sad.
0: The fool says, with honey or whip this night regal offered me a purse with five bits of gold in it if i would make myself presentable and come down to entertain them he flatters the fool a little bit and then eventually the fool says i would rather be up here than (laughs) be a fool up here than be with the fools down there or something along those lines and regal throws a teapot at him
1: right and that makes wallace frustrated because he just made that pot of tea
0: with all probably all the herbs and stuff that they mm-hmm. need so yeah they're they're really trying to get the fool away from the king to isolate the king right the fool is the one to wake king shrewd while well, he tries to at least he says gently he's dabbing at his face like fitz chivalry is here with tidings my liege my liege and fitz can't really wait He kind of blurts out in desperation. "'My king, your folk have need of you. Nipe is besieged by red ships, five of them. We must send aid now, or all is lost. Once they have a toehold there—' "'They could close Buck Harbor.' The king's eyes opened as he spoke. He did not move from his prone position, but he squeezed his eyes more tightly shut as if clenching them against pain. "'Fool, a bit of red wine, please.' My heart surged as if I were an old dog hearing the voice of a returning master. Because it's it's the king's voice. It is yes. a conscious and very aware King Shrewd at this point, even if he is bracketed by pain.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is probably why they don't want anybody around the king at all times. Because it's impossible to keep someone fully drugged up 24-7. Yeah, You just can't do it. Even if it's for somebody's benefit, (laughs) there's going to be times of lucidity. And luckily for Fitz, he happened to be there during one of these times. But it's very clear how little the king actually is aware of what's going on. Because when he starts giving orders, he's making little mistakes and not realizing that one of the people that he wants to take charge is dead Mm -hmm. from the attack on Burek. And it's just kind of sad to see him.
0: So I'm sure Biric was never called back to give more details. Right. I'm sure he only got that one news report mm-hmm. from Biric. He says, take pretty much every ship, all the fishing fleets, every warship that we have. We're fighting for our lives right now and send people overland and have kerf lead them and that's the one that died with beer oh excuse ones. me keen keen is the one who's dead kerf is the one who fit suggests yes. sorry
1: king Trude also says how dare they come this close how came they to such boldness and it's just really sad because this is another example of well they came that way because you have let regal take away all the ships and not fight against them yeah. for the past couple months, probably. And yeah, they're going to keep attacking inland because they know they can. But even
0: with that situation and a couple remarks later on in this chapter, it is rather bold for the the raiders to do that because of what actually happens. They take five of their ships where they're only used to raiding with one, maybe two on these little villages, and they've made pokes south of Buckkeep before, Mm -hmm. but they've always been repelled. They have the north above it in Burns, but this large scale attack south of Buckkeep to bracket in Buckkeep, as they say, and trap it on both sides is extremely bold because they have a high chance of losing a lot of their ships and their people if Help comes to Nipe, right? And they were expecting and hoping no message would get out because that's what they were told by Regal. I'm sure, right? But They didn't expect a scrying old pox man in the middle of the, of the wall, <laughs> right?
1: But yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's that Shrewd doesn't realize the reason they can be so bold is because they know no one will come. They're wrong because right. Fitz came at a good moment, but Shrewd doesn't realize how often he's let their attacks go. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just like scary. I'm sure for him to realize that he doesn't know what's going on at all times, but
0: yeah. And just like uh, the thing that you mentioned before with the little details getting wrong in Shrewd's head with Keen being dead with Birick and Fitz correcting him. He falters. He He's like mm-hmm. uncertain of himself because How do I not know my own kingdom and what's happening? And Fitz offers a quick explanation and kind of curses himself out in his own head for interrupting. Right. So the king gains a little bit more momentum again after this. And all of a sudden, Regal shows up. What goes on here? The shouting began before he even reached the bedroom. It was Regal, puffy with drink and fury. Wallace, he pointed an accusing finger at me. Get him out of here. Get help to do it if you need it. You needn't be gentle. The two guardsmen that Regal had brought grab Fitz. The fool slips underneath the bed, and Fitz can't really blame him because he's not going to do anything to help. Plus, if he was found and this whole commotion was happening, the fool would probably get thrown out too. Yeah. And that's there goes his protection. There was nothing he could do for me by staying except be thrown out with me. And so Regal goes into his whole oily snake salesman, snake oil salesman scheme against his father and being, oh, what's happening here with you so sick? And yeah. why, what's all this ruckus? He's and why?
1: disturbing you on purpose so that yeah. you stay sick so you can't get the rest you need.
0: And King Shrewd is... Aware of himself, like I mentioned before, so Fitz remarks here that his voice was not loud, but command was in it. Stand where you are, King Shrewd ordered the guards, as they're dragging Fitz out. He still was prone in his bed, but he turned his eyes to Regal. Neat Bay is besieged, King Shrewd said firmly. We must send aid. And Regal is... All over this, because I'm sure he knows it's happening. Right. But he's like, oh, no, he's just delirious. Like, there's no messages. We didn't get anything. Obviously, he's here just to disturb you. Mm -hmm. This cannot be happening. He just needs to go.
1: He's making it up. And I think this really does, without someone who hasn't read it before, knowing, show you that he's in on it. Because there's not even a little bit of surprise. No, Because, let's be real, if you heard... That Fitz was telling your dad, hey, there's an attack and you truly knew nothing about what was going on. You're not not that evil. You'd be a little surprised he would go to those links. Like it, there'd be some reaction. You'd immediately something.
0: be like, huh? How'd you hear? We yeah, didn't hear anything.
1: Right. It would be like a what like, are you talking about sort of thing. There'd be some reaction. But the fact that there is no reaction at all, he immediately is shaking his head sadly saying, no, he's lying to you.
0: Regal shook his head sadly. It is just another of the bastard's ploys to upset you and steal rest from you. There has been no call for help, no message of any kind.
1: So I don't know. I think that's such a... It's something that you have to really be looking for to catch. Yeah. But the lack of reaction is very telling.
0: The first time around reading this, did you know that they were working together? Regal and the Red Chips?
1: I don't think I did fully. I think at some point I had suspicions, but I was I I clearly did not know to the depths of which Regal was going. I figured at the very least he was he knew about all the attacks but was just ignoring them. I didn't mm. know that he was necessarily in contact and with And
0: feeding information.
1: Yes, I It did not surprise me to find
0: out, but (laughs) I I don't
1: think I immediately was like, he's definitely talking with the red ships. I think maybe in here I was a little like, does he not like what's going on? But I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think I did. What about you?
0: I, the first time around, definitely not. I, I don't read that closely. And if I am reading super fast or super into a book, I honest, I don't know if anybody else doesn't do this, but I, I'm not one to like predict or, you know, That's
1: so strange to me.
0: Think about what might happen next, except for very big overarching things. But not like little, oh, this guy is gonna is doing this to do this to betray this. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I'm just like, ooh, this is good. <laughs>
1: That's so funny because I feel like the way I read is almost the way you would weave a tapestry. And that I'm focused on what I'm, what's going on in the moment. But also I know that four lines down, something might be coming. Mm. So I'm like constantly checking all the threads and seeing like, does this relate to that? <laughs> Which I think is why I have so many harebrained ideas of what's going on magically in the background all the time.
0: Yeah. But- the uh the the english major brain Mm -hmm. (laughs) like ooh this all relates
1: i know that this is chekhov's gun it has to be used in the third act
0: (laughs) i know i've i've made references to wheel of time before because it's also one of my other favorite series and i feel like that series in this has a lot in common where there is a lot of foreshadowing or little hints written in that you don't or would never pick up on the first time through, and as you reread it, it's like interesting little things that pop out, like Fitz's mother being in the market of Buckheap Town. Mm-hmm. Just things like that just really light up in front of your eyes when you're rereading something. it's I love books like that, yeah, it shows the care that was that was put into crafting
1: them, definitely.
0: So, Regal is, again, trying to say, oh, no, 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 he's just making it up, and Queen Ketrikin walks in. Queen-in-waiting, although uh, Fitz here addresses her as Queen Ketcherkin, or at least mentions her in his head, mm-hmm. or this writing, as Queen Ketcherkin. She's in a... pretty much a battle uniform for her. Yes. <laughs> Short white fur jacket, purple trousers and boots. I'm pretty sure that's the same outfit she had when she was riding and escaping the forged ones yes
1: when she went out hunting the forged ones
0: and when she went out hunting them or at least the same kind of outfit
1: right and also she has a large mountain sword on her hip does it say yep
0: was at her side
1: yeah and which is interesting because it's a later we know that she fights dual handed with the sword so i can't imagine she must be really tall if that big of a sword is just on her hip nbd (laughs) like i don't know that's crazy she's so cool
0: (laughs) she spoke as one would to a spoiled child go back to your guests i will ride to neat bay i forbid it regal's voice rang out strangely shrill stillness suddenly flooded the room queen Ketcherkin pointed out quietly what everyone in the room already knew a prince does not forbid the queen in waiting I ride tonight. Regal's face purpled. This is a hoax, a plot of the bastards to throw Buckkeep into an uproar and instill fear in the folk. There has been no word of an attack on Neat Bay. And and again, right there, he is so over defending his stance that no one should ride out to them. Mm -hmm. There has been no message. Yeah, because he knows it hinges on them getting aid or not.
1: Right. Also, it's very interesting that he's not being more forceful with Ketrakin, which I am sure stems from the fact that his father is somewhat cognizant right now and he cannot be as horrible as I'm sure he would like to be at the moment. Yeah. Because he is, oof, not great.
0: <laughs> and speaking of shrewd, he chimes in and says, Silence. Fitzchivalry, release that man. Fitzchivalry, stand before me. Report, whence came your news? Fitz straightens himself up a little bit and says pretty much exactly what Chade told him to.
1: (laughs) By the way, he's barefoot at this moment. Yes. So he's standing there with his hair not in its warrior's tail. It's just uncombed around him, barefoot. At least he's wearing real clothes, not pajamas. (laughs) And he's like... Well, I had a dream of a of the Pockman scrying into a bowl, and everyone just looks at him like, what?
0: <laughs> I, I I dared emphasize no word. I stood firm before them. One of the guardsmen snorted in disbelief. Birik's jaw dropped open, and his eyes widened. Ketrakin merely looked confused. On the bed, King Shrewd closed his eyes and breathed out slowly, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is hilarious to me. King Shrewd is probably like
1: oh my god Fitz (laughs) why (laughs) you couldn't think of anything else nothing else sounded more believable than your stupid dream that I now have to act
0: on it's just like a sitcom moment where there's just a (laughs) silence jaws drop open and then Regal's like well he's drunk (laughs) get him out of here you know
1: Regal if they would have panned to him in this little mini sitcom moment he's like about to laugh because he's so excited
0: he's he's the dwight looking in the camera smirking just Mm -hmm. like "Mm, i got away with something (laughs)
1: Uh uh-huh he's so excited clearly he's drunk so why would we be listening to him i had never heard so
0: much satisfaction in regal's voice
1: his job just got 10 times easier
0: yes but the king says uh he drew a deep breath in obviously fighting pain I commanded. He found a bit of strength. As I commanded. Go now. Now! I jerked my arms free of the astonished guards. Yes, your majesty, I said into the silence. I spoke clearly for the benefit of all. That is, all warships dispatched to Neat Bay and as many of the fishing fleet as can be rallied, and all available horse to be sent overland under Kerf's command. Yes, the king sighed the word. He swallowed, took a breath, opened his eyes. Yes, I order it so. Now go. And Fitz does the smart thing there, repeats all of the commands that he got from the king earlier when no one else was present. Yes. And the king affirmed them. And thankfully, the king got the very obvious hint.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I just like to think that Chade is listening, like, hitting his he- his forehead, like, come on, Fitz. I didn't literally mean say it was a dream.
0: <laughs> but also, Chade's probably like, okay, it's Fitz. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, at least it worked, I guess.
0: <laughs> yes. I guess I did say it, so I can't really blame uh-huh. him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, poor
1: Fitz. But it does work. And Regal is upset because... Now Ketriken is saying, Alright, let's ride and get changed, Fitz. And Regal says, The king did not tell you to go, he sputtered at her, nor did he forbid it. The Queen looked at him flatly. And everybody's like, Whoa, okay, Ketrikin. <laughs>
0: Her guard is comes up to her and is ready to go and says, "We're ready. Like, are are you?" And and she makes some final preparations, asks Biric if her horse is going to be ready, everything like that, and says to Biric that and Fitz that I want you two to catch up, basically because we're going to go right now.
1: Mm-hmm. So while they're getting ready, they go to Fitz's room. Biric grabs. He helps himself to some of Fitz's winter garments, which I made a special note of because that means that they're about the same size right now.
0: I think it's mentioned earlier that Fitz is actually taller than Burek right now. Yeah,
1: But it's like so weird because it's this little in my mind, Fitz is still kind of a kid, you know, but he's like 17. He's Mm -hmm. probably mostly full grown at this point.
0: I, we, we've talked about it before, actually, where we both thought Biric was some like large, imposing man, and mm-hmm. then the descriptions of him in the first book when we were rereading and going over it is that he wasn't particularly large, but he had an imposing presence. Yeah. And that is, she does, Robin Hobb does a great job of really showing that in all of the text, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you get these little things, Fitz stood taller than Birik, Birik's helping him into Fitz's clothes, like,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's just
0: kind of wild.
1: It is. It's super weird because Fitz, you know, when we first meet him, Fitz is really small. So, of course, he's this big, burly, buff dude. But now he's just another guardsman, I guess, technically, in build. He's not specifically big and bulky or huge. He's just Fitz's dad.
0: <laughs> so they get ready and they go down and Beric. Birk- takes command without even really realizing it. He's sending out orders, he's gathering people together, and all of a sudden he kind of looks uncomfortable as they're mounting up and Fitz just looks over to him and says, experience counts.
1: Which this is so interesting because not that long ago, in fact, this book at the beginning, Bjork was condemning Fitz for taking command and acting in charge. Yeah, And now he's embarrassed that he took that away from Fitz. It's only been a year, two. Mm -hmm. And he's already like, oh, no, Fitz should be taking power. He should be ordering people around. And it's so interesting to see that change in just a short amount of time.
0: Yeah, because I think in that time, Burek and Fitz in his head, realized that Biric treats him as a man grown. Now he talks Mm -hmm. to him straight across. He doesn't try to tell him what to do with his life anymore. He just gives advice as like a man to a man thing. And he, he mentioned that in one of the scenes where they met each other in the great hall at one point after a meal. Yeah. And that really does show in little scenes like this, as you mentioned that since Fitz has grown up now, he is coming to his own. He is talking to the King every day. He's higher than Biric in the, in the little totem pole there. Mm-hmm. And so Beirik's embarrassed that he took control. And we see it later in this chapter as well. Beirik isn't, he, like we've mentioned, he has self-esteem issues with mm-hmm. what he's capable of and what he should be doing. Right. And he's kind of thrust into command later on. And he enjoys that, but he also knows in his head, like, I shouldn't be doing any of this. Or at least he thinks that.
1: Right. It's I'm almost- just a
0: stable master who doesn't have a stable right now.
1: Right. It reminds me a little bit of Verity in this like complex of I can't do it as well as somebody else could just to a lesser extent, because where Verity would complain the whole time and be like, I'm not the best one for the job. Burek just does it and is like, well, I guess I'm what they have and then does it to the best of his abilities, which I think is the big difference between the two of them. But also maybe the difference because one is helping fight against a small group and the other is ruling an entire kingdom and also Verity was raised to be not in charge his whole life burek i guess Burek kind of was raised that way too because he was a slave on and off but i don't know
0: i see them as slightly different because they while they do have differing you know responsibilities verities are much bigger than burek's responsibilities But anything that Biric knows he can do well, fighting, animal care, healing, he seems to take control like right away and is fine doing that and Mm -hmm. is kind of embarrassed, like you mentioned, but he is fine doing it to the best of his ability because he knows he's good. Mm -hmm. Verity is forced into doing so many other things that he'll complain all the time and he's like, I'm just not the best person for this. And Biric is much more willing to step back and be like, I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) There are better people than me out there. Right. They are higher than me on the totem pole. They can handle this.
1: (laughs) this I suppose. Yeah. Maybe that's just the difference of being king and waiting versus just like a high up guard. But I I don't even know if I call him a guard.
0: Right. No one really knows what Burek is. (laughs) But I really do like your comparison between Verity and Biric because I feel like Verity would be the same level as Biric if he wasn't in the royal family. Yeah, he would literally just be like the go-to map maker and strategy guy. Maybe mm-hmm. go along, maybe like a scout or something. Go along on the the soldiers and right. be scouting around, have the maps. I could just totally yeah. see him doing that.
1: I wonder too if it's a difference of. Burek doesn't really seem to need outside approval to know that he's doing a good job. Yeah. He can tell when he's doing a good job (laughs) and he takes pride in it. Not that Verity doesn't, but I think Verity is a type of person who has to have constant validation. and He just never gets that. Yeah. And that is what really hurts him. I bet if he had somebody older than him, because Fitz obviously is like
0: chivalry around, right?
1: He would be much better. So that is an interesting point too, that, They just are different personalities. Mm
0: -hmm. So Biric and Fitz are trying to catch up. They head towards the gates and they're stopped. Of course, Fitz is still not allowed out. Biric doesn't really know this, or at least he hasn't seen it in action yet.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And the guardsman stops him and says, You may pass, sir, he told Biric respectfully, but I have orders that the bastard is not allowed out of Buckkeep. The bastard? i had never heard such outrage in Biric's voice. Say, fit chivalry, son of prince chivalry. The man gaped at him in astonishment. Say it now, Biric bellowed and pulled steel. He suddenly seemed twice as large as he had. Anger radiated from him in waves, I could feel. Fit chivalry, son of prince chivalry, the man babbled. He took a breath and swallowed. But however I call him, I have my orders. He is not allowed out. They have a little discussion of uh, Birk saying, what, do do your orders supersede the queen-in-waiting who told us to catch up with her? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's like, one moment, and runs into the guardhouse away.
1: (laughs) Right. Let me go get the manager. (laughs) 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 Which, thankfully, the manager is there now. But he does something I don't like, which is the manager comes out. He's not a manager. I just keep saying that. The head guard comes out. And smiles and says, OK, you can go, which is so shady. And you just know they're going to have trouble getting back in. But
0: really, you thought this was like shady?
1: I thought it was shady. Yeah. Huh. You thought it was friendly? Yeah. You thought after the guard previous was referring to him only as the bastard. Yes. That his
0: supervisor likes Fitz. 100%. <laughs> The the older guards or the older captains will definitely know Birik. Birik was a soldier. He was in them. He is very well respected. And seeing a young kind of guard getting dressed down by Birick or something, running off, leaving the two people he was supposed to keep there alone, uh-huh. and then having them like, Hey, can you deal with Birik? <laughs> I think it's 100 percent like hilarious and great for for that guard to be like, Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't see I any any weird things about know. that at all.
1: I think I'm just so in the conspiracy of <laughs> Regal has men everywhere that...
0: I think he does, and I think they might be getting to that guard that like called him the bastard or whatever. Right. But I don't think it's fully infected the whole watch command yet, okay. because this is the captain of the watch.
1: Interesting, okay.
0: So I feel like this person would have had to be there for a while.
1: That's a good... A good, interesting thing. It's so funny how little things like this always pop up where it's like, oh, yeah, I am 100% sure that it's this way. And then the other person will be like, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> because he also said the captain of the guard comes out and says, uh, well, he grinned at us. Ride well and best of luck at Nipe. So I think like he knows what's happening and the importance of everything. And is just like, right. Hey. Huh.
1: I, I don't know why. I just read it as like a. Good luck. <laughs>
0: well, let us know what you guys think. Do you think he is friendly or do you think he's really sinister in this? Oh, I hope you die at
1: <laughs> Maybe not that far, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, I've never read it as that. That's interesting. You're too in the conspiracy.
1: I am. I got my tinfoil hat on always.
0: <laughs> They're starting to catch up to Ketrakin and Queen Ketrikin's guard. And they stop before they quite get to there and announce themselves by raising their hand and they're greeted and so they ride in slowly. But Birik has a really... I thought this was a really fun moment too uh, that shows Birik's concern but also his complete naivety in certain things. Mm-hmm. It says, A pregnant mare in early pregnancy does well to be exercised. He looked over at me through the darkness. I don't know that much about women he said hesitantly. <laughs> I grinned at him, and you think I do? <laughs> I shook my head and grew sober. I don't know. Some women don't ride at all when they are carrying. Some do. I think Ketcherkin would not put Verity's child at risk. Besides, she is safer with us than left behind with Regal. Biric sense- said nothing, but I sensed his assent. It was not all I sensed. The yeah. Night eyes comes up,
1: mm-hmm. but now it is really cute. The well horses. Uh, horses are good. In their first trimester to exercise. (laughs) So obviously, women are probably similar, right? (laughs) But I don't know that much. Like looks at Fitz like, I don't know either. (laughs) Don't look at me. The 17-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, Good going, Burek. I'm sure he knows more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, they are concerned with Ketra Kane exerting herself and, and everything like that, too. But yeah, Night Eye shows up and... It communicates openly with Fitz because Night is excited he's still pretty much a puppy he's only been around for maybe a year yeah. you know and he talks to him because he hasn't met with Fitz for a while and they have a little conversation and Burek stiffens slightly in his saddle I knew Night Eyes was off the side of the road trotting through the shadows it did feel good to be out and alongside him again I glanced over at Burek Anger radiated from him. Birik? I ventured. "'It's a wolf, isn't it?' Biric spoke grudgingly into the darkness. "'He looked straight ahead as we rode. "'I knew the set of his mouth. "'You know I am,' a grinning, tongue-lolling reply. Biric flinched as if poked. "'Night eyes,' I admitted quietly, "'rendering the image of his name into human words. "'Dread sat at me. Biric had sensed him. He knew.' No point in denying anything anymore. But there was a tiny edge of relief in it as well. I was deathly tired of all the lies I lived. Burek rode on silently, not looking at me. I did not intend for it to happen. It just did. An explanation, not an apology. I gave him no choice. Night Eyes was being very jocular about Burek's silence. He goes on to say that, you know... I know you'll never approve, but it's not something I can choose, it's what I am. And Night Eyes says, it's what we all are. Come, heart of pack, speak to me. Will not we hunt well together? And so we learn
1: Bear's name. Yeah. This is an interesting section because we're reminded Right after a great father-son joking bonding moment <laughs> that there is this tension between them Yeah. because Fitz lives the lifestyle that Bjork disagrees with and it hasn't really come to the forefront because Fitz has been keeping it a secret and it hasn't right. really had a reason to come out before now. They don't typically ride outside of Buckkeep keep walls together where a wolf could be hiding. <laughs> so I don't know. It's really interesting to read the progression of Fitz because he's not really upset that Burek knows, at least not in like a sad, depressed way. No,
0: he's anxious about
1: it. Right. He doesn't want Burek to cut him out again. Right. But there's definitely a, ugh, finally I don't have to keep this from him anymore, but also I'm not going to apologize for this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really... Beautiful, Just the maturity in that. Even if Fitz isn't mature about everything. He's sometimes, to accept
0: himself a little bit. Yeah. Or at least take a stand on what he believes in.
1: Mm-hmm. And it seems to go over better. Even though things are cut off right now. And later we know he's a little bit more positive. He still doesn't fully approve. But at least in this moment, Burek isn't like, never speak to me again. I hate you. There's no... I don't ever want to see you again. I'm never talking to you again. There's just anger, which is a big step because I feel like if this had happened earlier, then or un-
0: under different circumstances, than yeah. Riding to it protect would, a <laughs> town.
1: Yeah. He would immediately be like, okay, never talk to me again. Then
0: you betrayed my trust for a second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're done.
1: But I think also this might Burek might be letting it go a little because Fitz is number one older, so it's not a child bonding to an animal. Yeah. But number two, he knows Fitz's life is in danger. And if he cuts Fitz out, who's going to protect him? Verity's gone. He doesn't mm-hmm. know about Chade. King Shrewd is clearly very ill. And I'm sure he sees himself as the last line of defense for Fitz. And I think that's also partially why he doesn't want to let Fitz go. Before, if he yeah. cut Fitz out... It didn't really matter because he could still watch over Fitz and also Fitz would probably be fine. But now if he takes away this one outlet Fitz has, it could be disastrous. And I think he realizes that.
0: Yeah, I think he's also in his head thinking back on conversations he had with Faraday because Mm -hmm. all three of them together, we figured that Burek might possibly guess that. Fitz had bonded again because of the claw marks and things that had happened in the, the fight with the Forged Ones in the woods mm-hmm. with the little girl and Verity saying whatever he has let him use it to yeah. stay alive and, and fight for our kingdom so I feel like Biric had to kind of reconcile that Fitz probably bonded again mm-hmm. and this is just confirmation so a lot yeah. of the initial anger might have died a little bit in that time in between right. these instances
1: I guess and if that's the case then it probably helps that he's seen Fitz living a normal life and not constantly being away he's Mm -hmm. keeping his life up and that's really the most important thing to Burek is that he doesn't become a beast right
0: and so Fitz asks asks night eyes heart of the pack I wondered he knows it is his name it is what they called him all those dogs that worshiped him when they all gave tongue in the chase it is what they taunted one another with heart of the pack here here the game is here and i have found it for you for you so they all yelped and tried to be the first to yelp it to him but now they are all gone taken far away they did not like to leave him they knew he heard even if he would not reply had you never heard them i suppose i tried not to a waste why choose to be deaf? Or mute? Must you do this in my presence? Berg's voice was stiff. Beg pardon, I said, gravely aware that he was truly offended. Night Eyes snickered again. I ignored him. <laughs>
1: Night Eyes is so ornery.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really? He just really likes to poke
1: yes. at anything. <laughs> it's like, eh, this is what it is. He's so spirited. He's got a great personality. Which is so funny because... When I think of Night Eyes, I I think I think more of older Night Eyes where he's like, let's slow down and go with the flow. And why do you always have to be worried about everything? And young Night Eyes is so, I'm going to make fun of you. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: (laughs) he's also like in that attitude, it also comes from the this is what it is. Let's just live Mm -hmm. in the moment because he doesn't see anything wrong with it. He's like, why would you ignore him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so he doesn't really know it's that bothering <laughs> to <Birik. laughs>
1: I think he knows he's bothering Birik <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think true. he's okay with that fact
0: <laughs> <laughs> they catch up with Queen Ketcherkin and Birik formally reports to her what has happened and they trek on to Nipe he kind of recalls that years earlier he had made the trip to Nipe as part of Verdi's entourage and that's Nipe with Lady Grace mm-hmm. and Duke Kelvar uh, and Lady Grace's little, little feist dog that yes. he saved with the, uh, the lard.
1: With the fat. With the fat. And he notes that the last time he came to Neat Bay, it took five days. But mm-hmm. that was because they were part of a big caravan. There were lots of carts and people. And now they go as soldiers, not sticking strictly to roads. So it takes them a full two days And when they get there, the fighting is still going on.
0: And there are still there's still winter storms that were happening. Right. And it's just miserable weather. Yeah. So they are coming upon this field. They notice what has been happening and the fight is still going on. Outer defense lines have been broken, Bayguard, and they're up against the keep with worked stone walls and everyone's kind of commenting, they can hold out here for a long time because it's just going to be a siege. The the red ship writers can't tear down these walls.
1: Right. It says, once I had been told that no enemy had ever made it past the second wall, it was no longer true. So they're at least at the third wall. Yeah. Which is worked stone that took a really long time to build. So this is much more sturdy. Even though the other walls were also sturdy, they were... Earthen works, like yes.
0: probably some wood walls, things like that.
1: Yeah, they were still breakable in a somewhat easy way. But typically they don't get attacked in the middle of winter when they're not expecting it. So, <laughs> so I'm sure that is partially why they also got so far or maybe just the amount of men that they had to attack with. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: So Foxglove, who is the captain of the Queen's Guard we've mentioned her before, kind of goes on a little discussion of what's happening with the red ship raiders and why this attack doesn't make sense because they've left themselves extremely vulnerable to any aid that the six duchies might bring against Mm -hmm. them. They've basically parked too high up. So when the tide goes out, their ships will be, you know, stranded or they'll be stranded where they are. Mm -hmm. They've have no like watchers on their back. The ships aren't very well protected. It's like, This attack doesn't make sense, and it's like they expected no aid at all.
1: And Ketrigan says that's probably what it is. Yeah. They probably didn't expect anyone to come. They have the town to pillage for supplies, and perhaps other ships are expected. I have no battle experience, she said simply. You two will have to plan this. I listen now as a soldier. What should we do next?
0: I saw Burek wince. Such honesty is admirable, but not always good leadership. <laughs> Which is true. Like, there, there's still things. We, we talk about Ketrakin coming into her own as a leader. Mm-hmm. And she is fantastic and a natural leader. And not just a natural, but she's been taught things in the Mountain Kingdom mm-hmm. and raised by fantastic leaders. But she doesn't know full tact. She's very direct in certain mm-hmm. things. Right. And especially concerning the six duchies court, letting your, you know, your subordinates know that like I don't know what to do here, you figure it out, isn't the best way to go about things. Right.
1: I think it's more of a cultural difference. Probably. Though, yeah. I mean, it is really good for her to say I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't want to lead us into failure for my own pride. So I'm allowing you to speak with your experience because that's probably how it is in the Mountain Kingdom. If you have experience on something, you take over that. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. And here, it's all about rank. And so when the queen is like, "I don't know." They're like, "Uh, I are, don't know. <laughs> are we allowed to do this?"
0: <laughs> yeah, it would probably be much better if she had went in and said, "Let's strategize of what to do. What do you suggest?" Right. And then like she would make the final decision, but under mm-hmm. the guise of gathering information from other people. Right. So Kerf and Foxglove turn to each other and they're like, well, I don't really have much experience. Do you? I like, I don't know what I'm doing.
1: I don't want to do it. You do it. Yeah. No, you do it. <laughs> so everybody passes it off to Burek.
0: Yeah. Birick has was chivalry's man. He has seen far more battles than I have. He observed to his mare's neck. He looked up suddenly. I commend him to you, my queen. So obviously they're kind of embarrassed about this. Right. Like, I don't really know what yeah, I'm doing Curf either. Like,
1: I don't know. Burek knows.
0: <laughs> Burek's face was a struggle of conflicting emotions. For a moment, his eyes lit. Then I saw a hesitation build. Heart of the pack. They will hunt well for you. Night eyes urged him. Burek, take command. They will fight with heart for you. My skin prickled to hear Queen Ketrakin virtually echo Night Eyes' thought. From where I sat, I could actually see a shiver run over Biric. He straightened in his saddle.
1: Do you think, on a subconscious level, she heard Night Eyes?
0: I think so, or at least the general sentiment of it. Right. Because she, she does that a couple more times later, I think in the next book, mm-hmm. when they're hunting together, and she just kind of knows.
1: Right, and I think I remember her... Saying something along the lines of almost, I think I can hear him speaking, yeah, like in the next book when they're in the mountains. So, I just wonder if she, like, I wonder if she knows if she thinks it's just like, oh, my intuition says to say this.
0: <laughs> I think it's something like that, yeah,
1: yeah, interesting.
0: And that inner struggle is kind of what we were talking about before with Birik of how his eyes light up first because yeah he does have experience I'm sure he did plenty of this with chivalry it reminds him of reminds him of a better time he knows he's good at it Mm -hmm. but then there's that hesitation of like well I'm like the lowest ranked one in this circle right now what am I doing here besides just guarding the queen at night do I do this and then night eyes and the queen say the same thing pretty much and he gets a shiver over him he's like well my queen commanded me I'll straighten up and I'll do it Mm mm-hmm and he comes up with a good plan. I'm not a strategy expert, so I'm not really going to go over everything. But... No,
1: he basically says there's no way to surprise the people because yeah. they're on flat land. Mm-hmm. So what they want to do is split in half. There are five boats on the beach, and then the rest of the people seem to be down the way around the fort. Yep. The castle, I don't know if it's...
0: Yeah, Bayguard. Bay yeah. <laughs> or whatever, Baykeep bay or whatever it is called.
1: So... <laughs> He suggests that they send some people to deal with whoever was left behind with the boats because clearly they're not going to leave nobody there. Yep. And hold the boats so we can take them as our own ships. And then everybody else needs to go wait at wherever they got in because once they start, they realize what's going on, that's probably where they're going to exit.
0: Yep. And they're, they're just watching the wall that they, they're using the wall that they, the red ship raiders broke past. As a wall to pen them in and mm-hmm. keep them there because they could siege them out. They can stop right. them from doing anything. So they have a bunch of archers and, and watchers along right. the whole wall.
1: And Bjork recommends that everybody stay back. They don't want hand-to-hand combat. There's not very many of them. And there's a lot more of the red Ship raiders. So try to keep them at a distance so that more people survive. And just in general, they want to make sure that they have the best way to keep everything at hand until more help comes
0: Yep, until all the ships come
1: mm-hmm.
0: which surprises me that uh, it almost surprises me that the people over land got there faster than by ship mm-hmm. but I haven't looked at a map to see like if there's a huge peninsula kind of blocking plus it probably takes a while to get crew and the ships ready to go rather than horses So there
1: is like an island I mean it's off the shore and I don't know if they'd have to go around it or not I think they could swim between, but it's just up north, like straight north. So.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's uh, a it's a good plan. And Fitz goes with the swords against the ships.
1: Wait, sorry. I was looking at Seal Bay, not Neat Bay. Neat Bay is directly south and there's like a weird area. So
0: very descriptive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like a U shape in the land where it like dips in closer to the land, and then goes back out to a point, okay. and so they're both on points at either side of the U. Okay, if that helps so, remind us, so I.
0: ships could sail straight across, but by land they would have to kind of go around the edge. Well,
1: they couldn't go straight across because there's an island at the oh, top okay. of the U. So like a U with a
0: so it might take it would take them a little bit longer, yeah. possibly. Okay. So yeah, Beirik's plan is basically to pen them in, capture the ships, and then wait for reinforcements to arrive to finally take care of all these raiders. Mm -hmm. And Fitz goes along with the crew against the ships. And they start to see their own ships arrive, actually. Someone gives a cry that the Rurisk is there, so they're kind of arriving at the same time.
1: On their way, they're stopped because, obviously, like Birk predicted, they saw them coming. So people are retreating. And they have to stop to help free the prisoners that they have with them. So they split up into even smaller groups, separate a group to help the people who were tied up to let them free and the other to go towards the boat to make sure none leave.
0: Right. Yeah. And as they're doing this, and as they spot the Rurus coming in, Fitz sees the white ship. Yes. And calls it out, and Burek's like, what? Where?
1: And he looks back,
0: and there's just a bank of fog.
1: So this is an interesting point. Burek specifically does not see this white ship. Yeah, I was thinking about this too. And we know Burek cannot be affected by the skill. Mm Mm-hmm. So either this is... Directly. Yeah. But either this is a contingency problem or Fitz is really imagining things
0: consistency problem like a plot hole thing or yeah a, okay
1: is that not what's the word I'm looking for consistency no that doesn't feel right either whatever it does not matter it doesn't matter but
0: I think it's more so because if, if you if you assume that it's the same powers as Vindelier or Vindelier or whatever from the last trilogy where he's directly touching everybody's mind to make them believe something else. I don't think that's what's happening because that requires a lot of power and it's not as wide of an area as uh, as Keble Rawbread seems to be doing. Right. So it I feel like it's just a different power entirely where he's creating this fog of bank mirage or like masking the ship somehow not not touching everybody's minds but like doing something to the ship itself
1: i don't know because i think no matter what you're scaling into somebody's head even if you're not directly looking at that person specifically it's still touching your brain and i think that that's like a weird loophole but i suppose maybe that is what it is but it just feels like a weird Slippery slope loophole yeah. of so I could generally think to everybody in the area kill this person and somebody who was protected from the skill would still do it.
0: Yeah, I, I, don't I know. Just, we don't know enough of Rob Red's capabilities of like what he's good at because we know Verity is good at tightening his control and, and very minute things, but he's very powerful. But we just don't know what Robred's good at.
1: Right. But it shouldn't matter what he's good at because Bjork has been closed off completely.
0: But that's what I'm saying. We don't know if this is a different power that works mm, differently from things fair. that we have seen. Because we're basing all of our knowledge of like what's possible with what Fitz knows. That's fair.
1: That's very fair.
0: And that's literally nothing. <laughs> so th- there's whole scrolls that they never get back from the skill scroll collection that they had at Bucky before. So this could be something that they learned from the scrolls that we don't find out.
1: That's fair. That's a good point. Or
0: this could be Robin Hobb doing this and not realizing she would still expand upon the series yet.
1: Fair. Or that it would ever become a plot point. Nobody's going to (laughs) remember. Right. Except for those jerks that make the podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so he sees a, Uh, the white ship calls it out and everyone only sees a fog bank Fitz looks back and he only sees the fog bank now too and they split their forces up they go after these ships because their reinforcements are coming back in
1: Right. and Bjerik says that he and Fitz need to be at the bank to tell the captains what to do next
0: yeah what's happening on Mm -hmm. and what they're planning on doing so no confusion happens yeah And so quickly, they charge down to the beach. They start to go after the raiders. One ship gets away pretty cleanly. Um, They capture, you know, a couple more ships. Some of them, even, they're able to free prisoners before they're killed or cast off. It's relatively clean of how they capture the beach.
1: Right. There is one trigger-happy archer who sets a sail ablaze uh, a little too early. One ship gets away. Mm -hmm. And the rest, so four, three technically, ships are completely taken.
0: And so Fitz, in his mind, is thinking about what is happening here because they're loading these red ships with prisoners. It's not just them being guarded and waiting for the attacking forces to come back. Mm -hmm. They are loading prisoners up and they were going to ferry them out. And so he's thinking, where are those prisoners going to go? what happened was the ship that i saw like actually where they were bringing them and it's definitely true that that is where they were gonna bring them
1: yeah no and he saves all this information away for chade because he knows chade's gonna want to know and it's very important maybe chade will have more insight and be able to tell what the insight is like what what the planning here was
0: there's too much that he has to think about right now with Mm -hmm. the fighting So they had secured all the ships by the time the Rurisk was beached, and there was time now to lift his head and to look out over Neat Bay, no sign of the white ship. Perhaps it had only been a cloud bank. Behind the Rurisk came the Constance, and behind them a flotilla of fishing vessels and even a couple of merchant ships. Most of them had to anchor out in the shallow harbor, but the men aboard them were ferried swiftly ashore. The warship crews waited for their captains to hear word of what went on, but those from the fishing vessels and merchant ships swept past us and headed directly for the besieged keep. And so they kind of set up shop,
1: mm-hmm.
0: basically just watch everything, pen them in, wait to starve them out, and they'll eventually kill all the attackers.
1: Right. Uh, Biric tells people to leave some of at least one ship manned mm-hmm. because they'll probably be back. And he's right. Two more ships come and attack the other side of where they are They were previously. And they're able to counterattack because they had the Rurisk armed. Yeah, There are people watching.
0: And there's not even fighting. They just kind of run. The yeah. red ships just run.
1: Which doesn't make anyone feel good because they know that means they're probably just going down the lake a little... Or, down the coast? Yeah, down the coast to besiege some other helpless town.
0: Right. And so the weather turns bad again. There's storms coming in. Food's not great because they left in a hurry. They're just kind of... waiting. All was still and waiting. And then Biric and Fitz have a a time to have another discussion. You don't listen to warnings. You never have. Biric spoke quietly to me. And they're watching... All of the guards kind of bustle in and around Queen Ketchikan's tent and they're just familiarly going in and out and having a good time and Birk kind of comments on that. "'Your father, too, was like that,' he observed suddenly as two of Ketrikin's guard emerged from her shelter and went to relieve others still on watch. "'Didn't take warnings?' I asked in surprise. Birk shook his head. "'No. Always his soldiers, coming and going at all hours. "'I've always wondered when he found the privacy to create you.' I must have looked shocked, for Biric suddenly flushed as well. Sorry, I'm tired and my leg is uncomfortable. I wasn't thinking what I was saying. I found a smile unexpectedly. It's all right, I said, and it was. When he found out about Night Eyes, I was afraid he was going to banish me again. A jest, even a rough jest, was welcome. You were saying about warnings? I asked humbly. He sighed. You said it. We are as we are. And he said it. Sometimes they don't give you a choice. They just bond to you. And this, like, I know I had my theory on Vixen with Biric of how she was bonded to him, but he didn't refuse any contact, refused all contact. But it must have been a full joining then. But... I don't know how that could be because Bieric would have to willingly reach out and bond. Or if she just since he since he was in the stables and she was around, she literally just chattered in his head all day. Even if they didn't have that mutual moment where they joined as a bond, he just ignored her.
1: I don't know. There could be rules that he set that make him feel that it's different. Yeah. He could have said, I will not talk to you. And maybe he did sometimes talk to her if he had too much to drink or maybe just after a really long day. But maybe he did it out loud and it made him feel better. Because it's not that weird for a stable guy to be like talking out loud to animals. <laughs> I feel like I talk out loud all the time no matter what. So if there's an animal there, like people wouldn't be Even that better. weirded out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, you know what I mean? I don't think it would seem that weird. And I think maybe Burek creates little lines like that where. Yeah. He needs a boundary on things, and if he tells himself it's different because he set these rules, then it's different, even though it's really not.
0: Because he's not giving in to the magic or anything like that. Right. He's not sharing his life mm-hmm. as he feels, Right. blocking them out. He's a, he's a troubled and very conflicted man, and it does show with his relationship with the Wit and mm-hmm. with Fitz. They go on to continue this conversation a little bit, and... Fitz admits that he can't control NightEyes at all. NightEyes says, nor I you. Why should there be control, one of the other? Nor does he stay out of personal conversations, I observed. Nor personal anything, Burek said flatly. He spoke in the voice of a man who knew.
1: So when I read this part, I made a little note because I immediately thought about what happened with Molly. Yeah. And all of the things... Night eyes, not seeming to understand boundaries in the bedroom. Or
0: understanding people.
1: Yeah, understanding just the way people work. And it made me wonder about Burek and Patience.
0: Mm, Burek was not bonded at that time.
1: Do we know that for a fact?
0: Vixen was not around. And that was after his other... Uh, His other whip partner, the, the horse, I believe, and him had split up or the horse had died. So this was when he was with Chivalry and he credits Chivalry with straightening him out and teaching him how to be a man. And he was very strict with himself after that, after he met with Chivalry and became Chivalry's man. So...
1: So you're 100% confident there's no way he had a wit partner when he first met Patience?
0: I am going to say that it's 99% confident, unless Vixen was alive. But I don't think he was the Stable Master, and Vixen would have to be at least 20 years old. At least. When she passed away. I think the only partners that he's had are the Stray Dog when he was a kid, that horse afterwards, and then Vixen. Interesting. You were thinking that if he did, something might have happened that he wanted to distance himself from Patience. Right. Because of that.
1: Right. Like, maybe he didn't want to share her. And the only way he could figure out how to get away from sharing her is by just not having her. Yeah. Because she didn't deserve to be dirtied like that. And his, it's, a good, like,
0: it's a good parallel to Fitz and Molly. Yeah. I mean, it's a great parallel. I just don't think that at the position that we know Bierick was in at that point, he would have bonded or been able to bond because he was traveling around with chivalry a lot and he wasn't at the stables the whole time Right at that point. He was working with horses, but I don't think he was the stable master.
1: Right. I don't know. I just thought maybe that could be one of the reasons. Or maybe it was just the wit in general that played a part in him not wanting to marry patience just that he felt unworthy because of his Definitely. dirty talent yeah <laughs> see, he's like really rough on himself and fits about having this ability which is fair there's a big stigma he's only ever heard bad things said about it and it brings literal death so mm-hmm. i get it it's just really sad to see
0: he expands a little bit here Fitz asks, I thought you said you never used it. Even out here, I would not say the wit aloud. I don't. No good comes of it. I will tell you plainly now what I've told you before. It changes you. If you give in to it. If you live it. If you can't shut it out, at least don't seek after it. Don't become... Birk And Foxglove is there. So, I obviously he's had traumatic experiences with it and from what we find out later and from what i my shoddy memory here i think when he was a child and he had bonded to the stray dog that taught him to live on the streets he still had family but he was becoming more and more wild like until his mother died and then his grandmother kind of like snapped it out of him i guess yeah like the dog died and he went back to his grandmother and his grandmother straightened him out And told him about the wit and, like, this is bad and everything like that. So I feel like some of those traumatic experiences really settled deep within Biric. And that's where, like, it it changes you. Like, it it led him further away from his family, I think, Mm -hmm. before his mother passed away. So I, I think that's where that comes from. But if he was bonded while seeing patients, it could... Could have been from that, too, I don't know that comment
1: right. I don't know. it's also I mean another child who is using the wit too young and uneducated in an uneducated way that seems dangerous, yeah, and I wonder if Berrick too then has problems with the boundaries like Fitz does that other old ones disapprove of so strongly, and that's where. Euric really falters, maybe. Like, I don't know if we know that he's been around old ones, but even if he sought them out, maybe he would also be shunned there for not using the wit right. Right. And so maybe it's just this feeling of ostracization that he doesn't really have a group to belong to because... Could be. Yeah. Some of it's self-imposed, but... (laughs)
0: Like no. all of the troubles of the Farseer book boys. Yes. <laughs> I uh I do want to draw a parallel that we've talked about before, but I do kind of want to, I don't know, put it in a different light. We might have spoken directly of this topic, but it it's kind of coming up again, mm-hmm. of how Fitz latches on to one person to give his attention to. And Biric is the same exact way. Mm. He kind of has one duty and he can only do one thing we see that with his decision with patience he latches on to Fitz then to give that he needs someone to help in order to get over some his grieving he needs a purpose he needs mm-hmm. something to do and i think both him and Fitz have the same thing and that comes from bonding too young yeah because you have that Deep connection with one thing. You're leading this soul life together, and then when you're separated, you don't. You can't. You didn't have that development to lead your own life to make right. your own decisions. Really,
1: you've never had to be yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Fitz, when when he is unpartnered, he's being directed about, around by the farcier crown mm-hmm. or chasing after dutiful or something like that. He's never on his own, living in the cabin in the woods without a wit partner. Right if he has a wit partner he's fine and content doing nothing out somewhere else Mm -hmm. or if he dreams about that with molly he's fine doing out nothing out somewhere with her but being alone i think is an issue for them because of that attachment
1: that's a really interesting point yeah
0: just kind of thought about that with talking about berek's past
1: yeah weird. Kind of like how some dogs have separation anxiety.
0: Yeah. My dog had real bad separation anxiety.
1: <laughs> he was a good pup.
0: Lick the windows. and. <laughs> <laughs> so Foxglove comes upon their little campfire conversation here and they have a discussion about if Ketrakin is pregnant or not.
1: <laughs> and Burek and Fitz are rightly wary Mm -hmm. They need to make sure that it's safe to talk to her about it.
0: Foxglove, I don't know. How do I ask this? Are you aware she's pregnant? (laughs) Bjerg and I exchange glasses. Who? He asked levelly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then she points out, I have two children of my own, you know, and most of her guard are women. (laughs) Which is really funny because I'm sure as a guy, you wouldn't think about the fact that There are stages to pregnancy, and they're pretty obvious, especially if you, number one, have been through it yourself, and number two, know all about it because you're a woman and you get told about it. (laughs) She
0: pukes every morning, lives off raspberry leaf tea, she can't even look at the saltfish without retching, she shouldn't be here living like this. And so... They just kind of keep on with the conversation, acknowledging that both of them know that she is pregnant. And they discuss whether Ketchikan should be there at all anymore. And they're like, well, we can't really tell her she can't. She's the queen-in-waiting. That's up Mm -hmm. to you, the captain of her guard, Foxglove.
1: Right. And Foxglove's like, well, will you do it, though? (laughs) And he's like, no, she's the queen. (laughs) And then it's really interesting because she says... I haven't been keeping watch outside her door each night, trying to persuade Burek to be the one to tell her. Yeah. And then Burek responds with, perhaps you should have Burek said, then tempered it with a, now that you know, which is a good point. She should have, even before she knew,
0: should have been keeping a watch on the door. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I'm sure this comes. Foxglove is young. Is she not? Am I misremembering? She's
0: two kids.
1: Uh, fair i just meant like in terms of service like does she have a ton of experience
0: i think so but this is different than uh whistle that he talked to before right and she was younger okay so i think foxglove is probably i mean i'm obviously just ballparking probably upper 20s to 30s i would was foxglove
1: the like older woman
0: oh was she took over Maybe. Like, she has grandkids. I know we've... No, does she?
1: Somebody did.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, there's lots of characters we don't know. uh, Yeah, I, I feel like we've talked about her before, and I don't know. She's at least old enough to have two kids. Right.
1: Well, anyway, I was saying if she was younger, then it would explain why, number one, she doesn't want to take charge, and two, she didn't know better. But also, I don't know, because I can't remember, if she was ever, like high up in the guards i think
0: she was one of them that wanted to split because uh the old guard like the king's guard was just kind of stationary there was no need to advance so splitting them gave room for other people to move up so she was probably sitting in a position of authority but had been there for a while and like they weren't doing anything so right so she'd probably had been in charge of something. I don't think you would go from a common soldier to <laughs> captain of the Queen's Guard without any right, accolades. Right.
1: It just feels like a lack of experience that would lead you to not immediately be like, Yeah. Let's that's put fair. guards on the doors. Yeah.
0: So Or probably told him, like, I don't need guards. That's fair. <laughs> go guard the common people. I don't need guards here. I have my knife. <laughs> Ketrikin lovingly caresses it or something. Yeah,
1: right. She doesn't back down and says who's going to escort her back because it's still in her mind that a pregnant woman should not be here, which is kind of fair. I mean, not that I think that if you're pregnant, you're incapable of doing anything, but
0: it is the heir to the throne and you're just sitting in a siege so you can leave. Like, but also
1: like even if it wasn't. Do you really want to risk death right now and the stress of being in battle I don't know I'm not sure how much stress affects a baby in the first trimester if at all I know that like pregnant women are told not to do stressful things because I've never been pregnant I don't really know what they tell you to do when you're pregnant or not do I know that you're allowed to exercise up until the second trimester I just don't I do I don't know. It seems like an unnecessary risk is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. And so there's a sudden outcry in the middle of this conversation. And Whistle comes up, speaking of Whistle, and starts reporting that a two-pronged attack at the breach just below the South Tower they tried to break out and some got through at, an arrow swept through her and carried off forever what she had begun to tell us. Out-Islanders were suddenly upon us, more of them than my mind could grasp, and all converging on the Queen's tent. "'To the Queen!' I shouted, and had the slim comfort of hearing my cries taken up farther down the line. And so they're in the middle of a battle now. They get their swords, they're, they're trying to rally to Ketrakin, and she shouts, "'Don't guard me! Get to where the fighting is!' "'It's here, my lady!' Birit grunted and stepped forward suddenly, to take off the arm of a man who had ventured too close. I remembered those words clearly, and I remember seeing Birik take that stride. It is the last coherent memory I have of that night. After that, all was shouting and blood, metal and fire. Waves of emotions pounded against me as all around me, soldiers and raiders, fought to the death. And again we see that waves of emotions come over him during this battle because of the wit of receiving all of the anger, the adrenaline, Right. The shock, the pain, the death—all just kind of pounding on Fitz,
1: mm-hmm. which might mean that Bjork has better walls because
0: he's, he's lived all of his adult life blocking without. <laughs> so I'm sure he's pretty good at it. Right. It's but just also Fitz. Remember, he has the skill ability, and right. he can touch people's minds without knowing it because he doesn't have control over anything. That's so that's a good
1: point. It could partially. It be could that be enhanced. Too. Yeah, it's definitely really scary and we see ketrican who is not fully i don't want to say not fully clothed because she is covered completely she's just in a robe and has tied up skirts and she has bared legs and bare feet and she's fighting on frozen ground and she's
0: cool she held her ridiculously long mountain sword in a two-handed grip her grace made me made a deadly dance of the battle. That would have distracted me at any other time
1: yeah she's pretty cool i would say <laughs> like in the middle of all these armed people just chilling with a sword
0: <laughs> not really just chilling because they are no, fighting for their lives at this point yeah
1: but she and, proves that she is a strong warrior like she oh yeah. doesn't have any preparation she's just going at it
0: and doing well out islanders continue to appear at one point, I was sure I heard Verity shouting commands, which he probably did mm-hmm. in his head. But like he's berserking out, he can't really. Right. I wonder too, though, anything.
1: if it's him saying it, like because it says he heard. I guess hearing it could be. Hearing I think it in his yeah. Mind. I think
0: it's Verity shouting in his mind to tell him what to do. Right. But and,
1: he doesn't shut Verity out. Yeah. Verity stays.
0: They've been practicing for the, for a few months before Verity left, and right. it, it worked.
1: Surprisingly. Surprisingly. <laughs> for the first time ever.
0: Night Eyes started to appear from time to time, and he says, I was part of the circle that protected the queen. At least I thought I was until I realized she was actually fighting beside me. At some point, he just drops the sword to snatch up a fallen axe, he remarks later that he goes back to pick it up because it was Verdi's gift to him, but at the time he just dropped it for the better brawling weapon.
1: Right. And we start to see him descending into one with Night Eyes in this battle. Yep. It begins by saying, While we were fighting, there was only the now to consider, which is a very wolf like thought.
0: When at last the tide of the battle turned, I did not consider the wisdom of it, but pursued and hunted scattered enemy throughout the night black fire stinking wreckage of Neat Bay village, which is also like a hunter (laughs) thing to do. Like
1: (laughs) people wouldn't do that.
0: They're just going to hunt. Yeah. You would stay with your group. You would, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: strategize. Yeah. And then. We sank down and put our backs to the brick well to watch the sun rise beyond the thick ground mist. Night eyes leaned warm against me, and we did not even think. I suppose I dozed a bit, for I was a jostled alert as he quickly left me. I looked up to see what had startled him, only to discover a frightened, neat bay girl staring at me. The early sun struck glints off her red hair, a bucket was in her hand, I stood and grinned, lifting my axe in greeting. But she sheared off like a frightened <laughs> rabbit terrifying. among the ruined buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Just a dude
0: covered in blood.
1: Yeah, with a bloody axe. Also, a
0: wolf sitting beside him.
1: Isn't this the girl who? Doesn't she like tell Regal or something?
0: Um, maybe like unlike the trial kind of thing. Yeah.
1: That she saw Maybe. him turn into man from wolf at the well.
0: Oh, yeah, that could definitely be true. I forgot about that, so I'm not sure.
1: I specifically remember somebody testifying that they saw him. He was a wolf, and then he turned into a man. Which, if he was leaning up against Night Eyes, and Night Eyes was where sitting in the direction that the girl was walking. So she saw just night eyes and then he ran away quickly. And all of a sudden there's Fitz jumping to his feet. Yeah. I could see how it could look like he turned from a wolf into a man.
0: A little bit right before that description of the girl, you were reading a little bit and it was saying we, 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 because Fitz and night eyes pretty much merged together. Mm -hmm. They... again he described himself as becoming one with that uh with night eyes and experiencing the whole night as one entity and fitz says that the memories were too sharp too red and black and he pushed them down deep in his mind was this what bieric had meant by his warning and it is kind of Mm -hmm. bieric was warning him about more than just experiences like that but that is a start you don't want to be merged into one thing you want to keep yourself a little bit separate because you are individuals right you're not trying to join together to create you know an amalgamation i don't know what they call the uh the people who join it together in one body the old blood call them but like those cursed things that don't look quite animal like
1: Uh huh. their eyes are too human
0: and just be creepy yeah the out islanders had tried to break through the siege but to fitz's mind that they had directly tried to attack the queen's tent was not comprehensible at all and biric tries to rationalize that saying perhaps they did not hope to escape it is their out islander way to decide to die and then attempt to do as much damage before doing so so they attacked here hoping to kill our queen he had met while they have this conversation, they're walking back to to Bayguard and Biric had met Fitz out in the field walking around and while Biric didn't say it, by his relief Fitz kind of realizes he was looking around for Fitz's body. Yeah. And so obviously he's relieved and they're having this conversation on the way back.
1: And Fitz points out, how did they know it was the Queen's tent?
0: No banners, no challenges, nothing. And he kind of points out that there's more out-islanders than there should have been.
1: Right. For just it, five ships. For just ships. the
0: five ships. So they're not going to ferry people, drop them off, go back to where they were and drop them off. There has to be a bigger ship carting soldiers in. Mm-hmm. And so again, he goes back to the white ship in his head. Birk has a little cute story about how Everyone is in Bayguard and what happened when they walked in? How Duke Kelvar got to uh, Queen Ketterkin's feet, kneeled, kissed her hand, and Lady Grace looked at her and said, "Oh, my dear, I shall have a bath drawn for you at once." <laughs> they say that everyone's celebrating, and I—it must be the—it must be what's happened what happens in the future excuse me with a girl because again Fitz mentions like no not everybody's there I saw a girl in town Mm -hmm. so that that must be the same kind of evidence that Regal gathers
1: right and Bjork does point out that not everyone is probably in a joyous mood because there was a fight
0: yeah there's a ton of death Mm -hmm. they didn't just run to the keep to begin with they fought yeah through they each layer first. of Yeah, they fought through each layer of wall and protection that they had and then eventually retreated.
1: So Fitz goes and gets cleaned off. Everybody is you know cleaning up and getting ready for the celebratory dinner and they stay for 3 days. So during this time our dead were buried and the bodies of the out islanders were burned, which I wanted to point out because I thought burning the dead was an honor and they don't bury people here so i was very confused at this because there's that whole thing where they burned all the forged ones before and now they're burning the out islanders who are their enemy it just i don't know i don't remember
0: if they they talked about the burning of the forged ones as as an honor itself or if that was just like It's better to burn all the Forged Ones because we don't know what disease they have, and it's...
1: Well, it said that they were burning them in the honor of a soldier. I thought the whole point was that it was honorable and a soldier's pyre. I don't know. Like, they built special... Yeah, I'm not sure. for it. Which you'd have to do anyway because bodies need a lot of heat to burn. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I only know that because... I don't even know why I know that. It, I, don't, I don't burn people's bodies in my backyard.
0: <laughs> you listen to too many true crime I do listen podcasts. to a lot of true
1: crime podcasts. I don't want anybody to freak out and be like, oh, there's a murderer. Not yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not unless Regal comes up for you.
1: <laughs> then we'll see. <laughs>
0: says Fitz made a few quiet inquiries and found that the watchtower signal had been lit as soon as the ships were sighted, but that the red ships had made extinguishing it one of their first goals. What of their coterie member, I asked? Kelvar looked at me in surprise. Burl had been recalled weeks ago for some essential duty inland. He had gone to Tradeford, Kelvar believed. And the day after the battle, reinforcements arrived from South Cove. They had not seen the signal fire but messengers were sent out on horse had gotten through to them. I was present when Ketrikin commended Duke Kelver for his foresight in setting up a relay of horse for such messages and sent her thanks also to Duke Shemshi of Shokesh. I just want to say that's like a really hard thing to say. Duke Shemshi of Shokesh.
1: <laughs> Duke Shemshi of Shokesh.
0: Yes. And uh, she... Gave them some of the warships that they captured. They divided between the two places so they could further rely on themselves rather than uh, the largesse or the reaction time of Buckkeep itself. And that's a huge gift. And they were, of course, very grateful to her as well for that.
1: Yeah. Well, this is so good like good thinking on Ketrickin's part. Yes. Yeah. Because she's doing it now where Regal would have to be crazy to dispute her openly about it. He's not there to make it look like a bad idea. Mm -hmm.
0: And she knows that they have to protect themselves and she commends them on the relay of messages because she knows messages might not be getting sent. Yes. To call for aid.
1: And so she I think it's just so smart. Because the way she does this, it's so different from before where I don't know what I'm doing. You're in charge. But now she's so tactfully, oh, mm-hmm. I'm gifting you this so that it you don't have to wait for us. But the underlying text is, you will not be burns. We will not let that happen again. I'm going to give you protection while I can.
0: And specifically says, uh, they no longer need wait for warships to arrive, but could dispatch their own for mutual defense. So also, she probably phrased it like, if we're besieged, you can come and help us too then. We don't have to have all of our ships in one place. Mm-hmm. So it's offered as like a strategic gift, but it's right. giving the dukes their own agency to defend themselves without... Any aid from Buckkeep, because there's not going to be any aid in the future,
1: probably. Right, right. And it helps make them look more fondly on her. It helps them stay together as, instead of those two splitting apart into two separate entities, and just really sets up for the future her yeah. ability to rule and letting them know that she still cares about them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Fitz says that the brief days of victory were a healing balm to all of us. We had fought and fought well. Neat Bay would rebuild and the Out Islanders had no hold in Bayguard. For a brief time, it seemed possible that we could win free of them entirely. That seems to happen after every battle that they have. There's a brief respite from the dread that kind of occupies everybody's head. Right. Songs were already being sung uh, sung of the Queen. And the... uh, they're toasting to Queen Ketchikan's unborn baby and finally Lady Grace sees and talks to Fitz and recognizes him. So she had said after greeting me quietly, my kitchen dog boy has the blood of kings in him. No wonder you advised me so well those years ago. And Fitz kind of accepts and compliments her back that we've both grown mm-hmm. in what we're doing.
1: He mentions that when he first met her she was just a child mm-hmm. who didn't know what she was doing and she was like a
0: year older than him and uh-huh. he was like 13 at the time or something yeah.
1: and she clearly didn't know what to do she was very unsure of herself and now it seemed as though she had always been a duchess mm-hmm. she's so graceful and poised and a natural leader
0: just needs some help and i'm sure chade put a good advisor over there too to like learn from yeah But just being accepted and being comfortable in your role is such a big thing. Right. And so they have a little uh, conversation here and she remarks, not a dog boy anymore. She asked with a wry smile. Dog boy, man, wolf, observed someone. I turned to see who had spoken, but the hall was crowded and no face seemed turned to watch us. I shrugged as if the remark were of no consequence and Lady Grace appeared not to have even heard it. She handed a little piece of jewelry to him that she had made to commemorate the fishbone ordeal. And handed it to him on a balcony on a dark evening when the lights of Duke Kelver's watchtowers glittered like diamonds against the black sky. First off, someone comments again that he has similarities to a wolf or is in conjunction with a wolf. Mm -hmm. And that's not the little girl. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sure on the battlefield, some glimpses were seen of night eyes when they were fighting. And then I wanted to point out that last line as well, because that's the story that chivalry said and fits in his own words, kind of remarks that she had grown up to be a great politician in her own right or a great duchess in her own right.
1: Yeah. It's a good ending it's cute that she took it so far to heart that she had a little pin made yeah um uh, that are fish bones i don't know i think that's really cute now i want a fishbone pendant but i wanted to ask do you think somebody really did say that out loud man wolf or do you think that was somebody skilling like one of the the Coterie member Skilling, mm, interesting. do you think it was Night Eyes, maybe?
0: I don't think it was Night Eyes, because I think Fitz would have recognized that voice if okay. it was Night Eyes. Skilling, maybe. That's an interesting thing, because she doesn't appear to hear anything.
1: Mm-hmm. But also, how else would they know where the queen was if they didn't have someone to skill to them to tell them that was of Regal's, one of Regal's spies? True. How did they know where the queen was? We didn't talk about that.
0: I don't know. It might have been the only big tent. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It must be, it must be, have been skill knowledge of some sort. Right. One of them looking out over the battlefield, kind of flying along and and seeing, finding Queen Ketchikan and relaying that information to, to the captain of the Out Islanders or something. I'm not sure. The only thing that like makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that means there has to be a coterie member hidden there somewhere. You think so, huh? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, th- I think you can
0: direct Conspiracy.
1: Them. <laughs> there but has yeah. to be a spy regardless.
0: Yeah, or at least, you know, they could have the out-islanders captains or whoever is leading them recognize the touch of a coterie member and be able to communicate with them in their head. Fair. So if that code remember could find somebody even from the comfort of Tradeford or Buckkeep, mm-hmm. they can then reach out to the captain or the leader of the Out Islanders and this is what I know, this is where they are.
1: That's fair. I guess we just don't know if anybody other than Rawbread is skilled.
0: People are susceptible to the skill though, That's because true. uh Verity is able to influence the yeah. the navigators. So
1: I just don't know. I mean, we don't know anything about the skill, but I know that they can talk through the skill. But is that because the other person is skilled and trained in some way or? Regal isn't. That's fair.
0: I think Regal's a little bit of a special situation, but I still think you would be able to. Because what Verity did was try to be extremely subtle and not recognized. Right. So I feel like if you wanted to, you could just talk to somebody in their mind.
1: The way dragons
0: do. Yeah, the way dragons do, pretty much, yeah. So yeah, like you said, this this ends on a uplifting note-ish until you get the little warning of like, oh, people are kind of recognizing Fitz as maybe being close to Witted. Right. And it's just a little warning and foreshadowing for the future.
1: Yeah. I don't know, this is such a good chapter. I was gripped the whole way through.
0: It is a very exciting chapter. Something actually happens in this one. <laughs> This book in general is I think the most action-filled out of all of them. The third one has some very exciting scenes, but that's mainly when Fitz is on the run. Yeah. And the very very end. Otherwise right. it's mainly just traveling and talking, which also grips me and I I love those scenes, but in terms of action, <laughs> I think this book Royal Assassin is is much more flushed out with that sort that's of thing. Fair. Thank you for tuning in to our 52nd episode. When you're in. When you're in. So, if you want to reach out and talk to us about anything, please let us know We're at isfitshappy at gmail.com or you can email or excuse me, message us at isfitshappy at any of the social medias.
1: We did it, we got a whole year.
0: One year, I am having a celebratory scotch.
1: I am just drinking plain old water.
0: Pour yourself a glass of wine, it's right there.
1: That's true, it is literally right next (laughs) to me. (laughs) So, we're doing something a little different for this episode. Uh, Still talking about what you guys sent in to us, but this time we're focusing more on questions you guys had about the pod and our opinions on the books,
0: And I do want to start off with a couple different stats, things like that. Yeah. Overall, our two most popular platforms to listen to this is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. A total of, it looks like, 30% almost on Spotify, almost 25% on Apple Podcasts, and it goes down from there. A lot of the people, of course, which makes sense, is from the United States.
1: Right. Well, does it make sense? Because when we started, that was not the case. That's
0: not the case. But it's the top three are still all the English speaking countries. So. Right.
1: Which is fair. Yeah.
0: United States, United <laughs> Kingdom, and then Australia. And then there's a uh, kind of almost a tie with Germany and Netherlands. So there's a lot of little uh, European countries as well listening in. Um, canada's in there and oh there's people from all over the world so welcome in thank you for listening to us
1: did you say That's,
0: i said welcome in but it sounded like
1: welcome in
0: yes welcome
1: <laughs> in. isn't that oh no all i think of is denmark wisconsin they're the vikings and they have the sign in the it's a very small town in it Wisconsin. it might be danish i'm not sure <laughs> welcome in and the sign but spelled with like the v instead of the w
0: probably very stereotypical and
1: everything Mm. that's what i thought you were saying and i'm like (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) not that i haven't said worse about canada so like
0: (laughs) we're sitting at about 200 followers on spotify which is fantastic thank you so much and so many uh, people
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's more people than we're in my high school so thank you guys
0: And uh, the artists that they're listening to on Spotify are Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, Arctic Monkeys, Hozier, and Queen at the moment. That changes like week to week, but Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande are usually in the top five. I think that's mostly Emma.
1: I do. (laughs) My alarm every morning is Spotify, Taylor Swift. So... (laughs) And I listened to her a lot. But also, I must say that for a really long time, the Beatles were in there because my alarm used to be here comes the sun and it would go off multiple times the morning because I snooze my alarm all the time. Uh, that was also my number one listen to song on Spotify last year. <laughs> nice. So I had to Your go and change that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so <laughs> it might be a little skewed. <laughs>
0: But total, we've had about, uh, I can't really say exactly because podcast stats are a little wonky in how they record things. But we've had a total of, I don't know, maybe 200 to 250 listens per episode as people are working through our back catalog. Mm-hmm. So again, thank you so much. I think we get about 150 to 100 and 80, uh, depending on content and stuff when it first com- when an episode first comes out, but people are working through the, the old episodes. So yeah. when you, when you get to this episode, thank you so much for listening.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we appreciate you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we'll get to some questions that you guys uh, submitted for us.
1: Yeah. So we asked you guys for lots of questions and you guys delivered the first question we got, which actually we got a couple different versions of, is are you planning to do the full series or just this trilogy?
0: And we're going to do all 16 books. Yes. So we're in the second book right now. We finish up the Assassin's Quest We will move on to Live Ship Traders, that trilogy, go back to Tawny Man, then go to Rainwild Chronicles, those four books, and then finish out with the last trilogy. So you will hear from us for a long time.
1: Yes. (laughs) The next question is, what made you decide to start a podcast for these books? Well, we mainly
0: wanted other people to talk to, right? That's kind of like what I was thinking about. I think it was you who first brought up the potential to make a podcast. It was like in a joking manner.
1: Yeah, I definitely was joking like, oh, we should just make a podcast because I couldn't find that much discourse online.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, was, I think. What is it? Late fall twenty eight. No, twenty nineteen. Yeah. And then. 2020 we kind of were talking about a little bit more but it was still kind of a joke and then in february like we should really do this
1: yeah it was (laughs) we just decided you know why not we have free time and we like this series and it'd be a fun activity to do together as a hobby so here we are yeah a whole year later (laughs) and another question is do you have any book recommendations not related to rote?
0: Yeah, um, lots. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really hard to just say like, hey, you should read this if you like Realm of the Elderlings, because a lot of these series don't relate specific t- specifically to Realm of the Elderlings. There's a lot of differences in Robin Hobb's work that doesn't translate to other fantasy series I've read. Right, But... I will say, and I will always recommend Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan, Um, even though it is not a first person series at all. It has wonderful foreshadowing and fantastic character development, but like Realm of the Elderlings, it's hit or miss with people. Mm. So it's a kind of like, I hate this or I like it kind of thing. So it's really in between. I personally find it absolutely fantastic. Um, and so I'm gonna, just going to list off a couple other books. Um, Guy Gabriel uh, K's Lions of al rasan That was a fantastic, like, medieval Spain kind of book. It was very good. Um, Seth Dickinson's Trader Baru Corm- Cormorant. Jeez, I can't pronounce anything. I read the first book of that trilogy. It was very good. I have not read the other two, so I can't say how that ends. <laughs> uh, Dune is one of my all-time favorite books of all time. All-time favorite books of all time. Wow, <laughs> I got that. It's really, it's a really good book. I guess it is. It's very, very good. Um, sci-fi, fantasy, half and half kind of thing. The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins is a very, very good novel as well. And The Magicians by Lev Grossman. All of those are, uh, well, I, had, I gave a couple novels and a couple trilogies, and Wheel of Time is the only other epic fantasy in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say The Magicians does deal with a lot of um, mental health issues as well that Robin Hobb gets into, kind of the... Um, the formation and the ptsd and everything like that in Hobbes' books reminds me a little bit or uh, magicians reminded me of robin hobb mm. as well so deals with some of those traumas
1: yeah um my list is much shorter compared to that <laughs> i, I typically... could yeah
0: i could list a bunch of them but it's really yeah <laughs> hard I, to pick and choose
1: <laughs> i have a lot of books that i love and hold dear to my heart but i'm also somebody who typically only reads YA books, which I don't think necessarily translates to a lot of our audience. So I tried to stick away from things that are too, like, young adult. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still think, if you're curious, you should check out um, the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. I think is how her last name is pronounced. Um, it's really good about a girl who discovers she has magic powers, even though uh, she's not supposed to because of her blood type. It's very cast and just about breaking through. A lot of characters that are difficult and frustrating, and there's a lot of twists and turns that really made me frustrated in a similar way to how I get frustrated reading Robin Hobb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's super good. And then... The Grisha series by Lee or Berdugo. I think that one's so fun. It's really interesting. It's a magic series. Uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like the Netflix magic... is
0: coming out with a, a series on yes, it, actually. Yes, if you
1: don't want to read it, but you need something on Netflix to watch. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was a really fun, interesting story and had cool magic in it. And finally, the Graceling Realm series by Kristen Kishore. It's another magic book. (laughs) It's kind of in medieval-esque times. And it's about people who have to hide their magic um, but struggle to do so because if you have magic, you have two different colored eyes, which is pretty obvious. Uh, But it's, (laughs) I don't know, it's a really cool series. It really dives into the feeling of otherness. And um, I don't know, I just really like that. And again, made me feel like that's similar to what we read with Fitz, except it's a little bit Harder to hide being a Graceling than it is being Witted.
0: (laughs) Lots of different books that we could recommend, but
1: honestly... As book lovers, it's hard to pick your favorite children, but if we must. (laughs) (laughs) Another question we got is, which characters are you most attracted to? Yeah,
0: who would be your hall pass?
1: Mm -hmm, If they were real.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think... I would mainly go with Ketrakin or Althea. Althea has a boat, so that's really cool. <laughs> Could sail around. But uh, Ketrakin just seems, like, awesome. In pretty much all that's regards, fair. so...
1: I feel like, especially after just reading that she was, like...
0: Wielding you, a two-handed sword. Uh-huh, like a barefooted, sword. like, yeah. I don't
1: know. That's just a very cool image. Ketrakin all
0: around, then. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
1: I have... Uh, um, Rurisk, because he seems like a really nice person.
0: He just sounds hot.
1: Yeah. He does.
0: <laughs> he reads really attractive, you mm-hmm, know? Like mm-hmm. uh, like him and Chivalry would be the power power duo at the high school or whatever. Oh yeah. Or college. For
1: sure. <laughs> I don't know. He just seems like a nice person as well as hot, which is really nice. Um, I also have Regal on my list, which is a little controversial, but...
0: <laughs> hey, he's a pretty boy.
1: He's described as extremely handsome i can't help it i don't know also i love the flair for dramatics would i hate being up staged in the person being the most dramatic in a relationship maybe would i still and it doesn't have try to be in a relationship no. either it's maybe just, it's the one night stand you know the
0: whole pass who
1: knows no. <laughs> <laughs> also Burek is on my list because come on <laughs> is nice he has his faults but so do we all so you can fix him <laughs> <laughs> no I don't need to fix him <laughs> I'll leave that for Molly later on or whatever but then yeah I also like Althea and Ketrican because they're very attractive people so I assume I assume everyone in this book is attractive I don't know I just read them all as models <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> but I would say fits except I don't know. I feel like I'd become a starling, and I don't think I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What was the most irritating part of the first trilogy to you?
0: You go first. I'm not sure. Okay,
1: I think that it's Fitz's lack of conviction to do anything 100% of the way. He has a lot of inner conflict of, should I just run away? Should I... Serve the king? Should I be an assassin? And I think his lack of picking what to do and sticking with it is a big fault of his, which is fair. And I think there's outer sources like really playing into this. And obviously, no one's perfect. But I think that's what I get most frustrated in reading this is if he would just either stay with the king all the time in the very beginning or, like, kill (laughs) Regal or just run away, I feel like a lot of things would be, you know, solved. (laughs) And I think just reading the series, I always get frustrated at how he never does anything, never seems to do anything 100%, unless it's on accident, (laughs) like with his wit bond to Night Eyes.
0: Right. That's a pretty good answer. I was mainly thinking more of, like, Galen was the most oh. irritating part <laughs> that's fair. to me because it's horrible to read the abuse from Fitz's point of view. Plus, you can see what he's doing to the coterie members as well. Yeah, that's And he's fair. just kind of running unchecked. Otherwise, it's just the gullibility of pretty much everybody in the in the series. Right. They just take things at face value except for a few select characters and, you know, even if those few select characters know what's truly going on. They can't act because of the good of the kingdom or whatever Yeah. in regards to Regal specifically. So it's a give and take there. It's just frustrating because of the plot itself. (laughs) (laughs) Still good. It's just frustrating to read. Yeah.
1: So how did you discover Robin Hobb? And when did you first, like when did you first read Hobb and like, how do we know each other?
0: well we met at work yes this was four and a half years ago we met at work yeah about that we've been dating for four years now Mm -hmm. and within that time i forced you to read this series
1: yep basically um
0: i i had heard of the series and started reading the series from um fantasy.reddit.com the fantasy subreddit it was one of the recommendations that was always popping up here and there and it had been on my to read list and i got around to it and absolutely fell in love it's uh fantastic so i forced emma to read it when i (laughs) when i got the chance
1: yeah it was definitely a fun book series i'm glad that you pushed me into it i did just read it really recently for the first time so this was basically my second time through but yeah i'm i'm with a veteran over here he's been reading it over and over again for a while (laughs) (laughs) okay do you want there to be a movie or tv series about this book series and if you do do you have any ideas for the cast
0: i think i've said before maybe on the podcast i'm not sure that i would probably prefer an animated just because a lot of the Magic, the inner workings, the time skips, uh the different characters and plot lines introduced would really be hard to do with a TV show, let alone a movie. I don't think a movie could work.
1: No, definitely not.
0: But in terms of fan castings, I I'm terrible with actors and actresses and like thinking of of people. But I I think it would be fun for Carrie Elwes and Robin Wright to play Ketrakian and Rurisk back when they first filmed, you know, Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that'd be that'd be kind of fun. But other than that, like I really don't have a specific image in my mind when I think of the Fool or you know Amber or Beloved or Lord Golden. Any of those they could be played by different actors or actresses every time, honestly, mm. and it wouldn't bother me too much but also i i kind of picture like Kate blanchett as bob dylan uh in that in the biopic that she did she was one of the versions of bob dylan mm-hmm. so she could have fit that role but again like if it's a movie or a tv show those time skips and then growing up, it really is hard to pinpoint, like, perfect fan castings because there's fair, so many yeah. different versions of the characters. Yeah. It's hard.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I would love to see a TV series go in depth. Um, maybe, like, the way the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones were done, where it's in depth. I don't know. I didn't read or watch Game of Thrones. I just know it was done well <laughs> up until, like, the fifth yes. season or something. Yeah. <laughs> So I would love that for this series. Um, As for casting, I think I would go, I would think that Tilda Swinton would play a really good fool. Um, I just think that she has a good androgynous look to her. And then Reggie, oh no, I'm doing it wrong. Reggie Jean Page would be a good regal. He played the main person on Bridgerton, which is a netflix sh- a show that i watched recently that i really liked and i just think he has something about him it seems like he'd make a really good villain and i he did not play a villain in that series and i think that that would be a good thing for him to tap into and he's also really hot so <laughs> he'd <laughs> the, be perfect it helps yes
0: <laughs> but yeah for like the main characters for like fits i have no idea like i, know. I would just i no no clue no clue
1: yeah it's it's so hard because of the age that he ages and i don't know i i don't think i could pick somebody for each age even but i'd probably be happy no matter who played the part as long as they made him really angsty (laughs) so we'll just squeeze into the next question then i guess if you could read realm of the elderlings from another point of view who would you pick I'm going to narrow it down to more specifically the Fitz series.
0: The first, the first trilogy, yeah. you mean, the Farseer trilogy. Yes. Yeah. I really liked this question um because I love thinking about different parts of this and as a reader, I would love to have another point of view on the villain side, so like Regal would be fantastic to mm-hmm. view it from. However, also, as a reader, I would want a new series and not retread the same kind of events and ground. Okay. So if Robin Haw was writing a new perspective of covering the same events, I would want something a little bit um out, outside of Buck Keep's view. So I think the Pale Woman or Kebel Robred would be fantastic. Cause then you could see the like pinpoint the events where Regal and Galen are making contact with them mm-hmm. and Doing all the little like spying things and then organizing the raids and what they're doing to terrorize the out islands. So you get a better depth of feeling for uh, the Tawny Man trilogy. I think that would be a
1: yeah. really good point of view. That's an interesting take. I like the idea of knowing what's going on behind the scenes with Kebble Rawbread. I don't think I would have picked him naturally but i like that after hearing it although i feel like with regal it'd be really cool because fitz doesn't pay attention to social life and or really fashion unless it's thrust upon him and you know that regal would be all about all of that detail it'd be like
0: political sphere more so that would be fun
1: yeah and we'd get to see a little bit more of like what's going on in the inner duchies Mm -hmm. because i think i don't know i feel like it's removed enough from what Fitz sees that I would be interested in it yeah I also though would really like to read from Chade's point of view or even Shrewd's Mm -hmm. I think that those are fun characters to see the inner working of their mind (laughs) okay what character do we think we are most like in this series and what character do we think the other is most like
0: this is also like super hard for me Because I feel like I relate to Fitz the most. Just because we have the most point of view from him. Mm -hmm. We walk through all of his emotions and his issues all the time. So living in that character most often is like, oh yeah, Fitz is great. Like I I can see myself in these issues. But beyond that, I I don't know where I would put myself.
1: (laughs) That's fair. I think I would put you as Verity. Just because I think you're very similar in that you are very good at what you know and sometimes feel dissatisfied if you are thrust into a position you don't feel fully ready to do. Mm, Even yeah. if your skills are suited to that position, if you don't feel ready, you're like, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like you are like that. Also, in like... The way that he's like super oblivious to what Ketrickin is thinking of him. Like, <laughs>
0: <clears throat> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: I feel like that's very you. Although, I, I would say that you are like Fitz and that you're very quiet and you pick up on more than you let on from the outside. Uh, so, you don't feel the need to talk as much.
0: I am the quiet one in this, yeah. this don't partnership. Don't let the podcast
1: you know. fool you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I personally think that I am most like Althea because she's super headstrong and stubborn and has a temper. And whenever she's mad, she tends to make decisions that aren't thought all the way through, which is highly relatable to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) More like living her life out of spite 90% of the time, which I don't think I'm that bad, but
0: because of your flair for the dramatic you like to think that you're that bad
1: yes definitely (laughs) also i think it would be cool to be like on a ship i don't know (laughs) yeah so
0: (laughs) i also thought you're similar to uh in that you have compassion and passion for certain things Mm -hmm. and you're very invested in certain things that you do and then like Birik where uh you know what you're good at and will pursue those passions but kind of similar to what you ascribed to me with verity if you are put in a situation where you're like uh this is unfamiliar to me or like i don't think i should do this you kind of just don't want to or or, are quiet until you're pushed right (laughs) to the forefront of it
1: that's fair that's fair that's a really fun question i think
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a lot of different attributes that you can find from a bunch of different characters
1: definitely oh we got a couple questions asking if we're going to do a face reveal and uh, what we look like and to just a general like more about us as people
0: Surprise, we already did a face reveal. <laughs>
1: it was like <laughs> a month. Should have been here earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: <laughs> it was like a month into our podcast or a couple months in or something. Yeah. I think it was a few months in. But uh, we did it on our Instagram stories. Yes. So, like, we're not hiding our faces for any reason. And I'm sure no. you'll see us in the future.
1: Yeah, we can even post a picture for this episode. I mean, yeah, it's, like we, it's... we don't like we're not trying to shy away from the spotlight we just didn't think
0: <laughs> oh yeah big spotlight
1: yeah. we just didn't think it was as important as the topic we're talking about i guess right. so it just hasn't really come up a ton
0: mm-hmm. but
1: um yeah we we do have faces and we can show them to you guys
0: <laughs> i'm sure you guys knew that we try to keep it as professional as possible at all times on this podcast so clearly but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure we can, you know, go to a con in the future sometime. Right. And like, if you are in the area, we'll say like, hey, like, we're going to be at this place, meet up and we can talk or something like we're not shying away from meeting any of you or, or talking face to face or even showing who we are. So you'll, you'll probably see more of us in the future.
1: Definitely. We'll be here for a while, about uh, 14 like, more books. So yeah, <laughs> like
0: 10 years.
1: I am sure you will see lots more of us. <laughs> um but generally as people um we're both big nerds
0: yeah um, yeah
1: i am obsessed with animal crossing and breath of the wild currently so that's what i spend the rest of my free time doing when not focus on robin hobb or crafts starting crafts <laughs> i don't really finish them <laughs> too often but
0: patience um, over here
1: uh-huh um I, don't know. I
0: play lots of video games as well. It's, in the in the pandemic times, it's pretty much how I talk to my friends. That's like the only contact outside of Emma that I have, is playing video games and talking <laughs> to my friends online like that. I like trying different whiskeys. I like chilling alone. <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, believe it or not, like not a huge TV person or anything like that. Or I like movies and I like TV shows. I just... I'm never in the mood to start them, really.
1: No, I have to push for that. Yeah. I'm a big TV person. I want TV going in the background of my life at all times, basically.
0: I'm fine with that, too. But, like, I don't care if I watch it or not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the show for me. But I have a lot of interest. I have my fingers in a bunch of different pots.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. But definitely both big nerds. We we both like reading quite a bit. Although I've I've slowed down and just been in this series for a while now
1: yeah i've still been reading somewhat regularly but it is hard to get into a book and then have to stop to read one chapter of another book and then then come back it's really odd it does mess up some schedules
0: Mm -hmm. it's definitely something i want to work on and read and finish more books again this year yeah as well as do the podcast of course
1: (laughs) well with the big virus going around i think motivation has been a little low
0: (laughs) yeah that's true
1: okay so on that note of books and reading somebody asked us do you save discussions for the podcast or do you talk it all out beforehand before you start recording
0: we do not talk beforehand usually so any discussions we have specifically about that chapter We'll usually um, say it to each other for the first time while we're recording.
1: Yes. So whenever you hear one of us surprised at the other's take, that's real. We aren't acting.
0: (laughs) There's there's been a couple times where we've discussed beforehand, but that's usually about the series as a whole or bigger concepts. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had a couple discussions about like the mythology stories when we had the long diatribe about uh, where... uh, where the pocked man actually came from Mm -hmm. if the gods were dragons and things like that we've discussed that a little bit but mainly when we're doing chapter by chapter we only talk about it on the podcast to kind of keep that conversation and that conversation tone to everything
1: right yeah and it's hard too because i don't want what i'm reading to affect how luke is reading the book and Mm -hmm. i think vice versa we just it's more fun if we come in and butt heads. Yeah. Uh, it's not that we set out to do that. We <laughs> just naturally come upon that. It,
0: it, it's really apparent in this episode, actually, where you read the gate, the watch yeah. captain as being like rude, rude or yeah. Sinister in some way. I'm just like, yeah, he was just joking around with Berek <laughs> and laughing at his subordinate, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely something that we do not plan ahead of time. And we also read the books a little differently. I think. Yeah. Um, I have a paperback version that I write notes in, including ideas for memes uh, in the <laughs> margins. <laughs> and I, I only write down something that I think I won't remember immediately upon talking. I'm pretty good at remembering my thoughts on what I have read.
0: And I use my Nook, my tablet, to read the chapter twice every time. So I go through it, read it, maybe highlight a couple things I want to talk on. And then the second time through, I really go through and highlight the crap out of the pages and Mm -hmm. quotes that I want to read, that I want to touch on. And sometimes at the same time I'm doing that, I uh, take notes in a Google document if I'm actually feeling, you know, like I want to take notes at that point. Last few chapters I haven't, but before that I have a long list of chapter notes. So we, we do it a little bit different, for sure. Yeah.
1: And it's fun always to see the things that like I thought were super important that maybe Luke didn't even look at. Or he'll start reading a quote and I'm like, whoa, where is that? I don't have this page highlighted at all. <laughs> so it's like interesting to see what we both come to the table with.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Last Two questions. It's kind of a two parter. What animal would you like to bond with? And if one of the rote characters from all the series, all 16 books, could be in your mind as a wit companion, who would you pick?
0: First off, I'd bond with a dog probably. I'm (laughs) allergic to cats, and they don't, and so I, I wouldn't pick a cat for sure. Uh, I think any other animal would be very hard in the real life to bond with. I guess you could do a bird. They're they're longer lived, but I am not a huge fan of pet birds. They're fine, I guess. I don't Mm know. Dogs are just awesome. So probably a dog. That's
1: fair. I want to say dog, but I feel like that's basic.
0: (laughs) It is. It is. But dog, like, it's basic for a reason. Yeah. Dogs are
1: cute. I love dogs. I love all animals, really. I think it would be fun to have a cat like a wit partner as a cat because i want to look like i'm a witch whenever i go places i think that would be really fun i could change my whole aesthetic to fit that or i mean if i didn't have to be realistic i think it'd be cool to have like a tiger Mm, i don't know because they have like cool abilities maybe i'd get faster i don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a big it's a big prey animal though like a predator animal excuse me so you'd have to continuously find prey for them. I
1: know that would be the hard part is keeping keeping it fed
0: buy a ton of raw meat <laughs>
1: <laughs> or go to a dumpster yeah <laughs> outside of Walmart Tiger yeah, King reference for any who did not watch <laughs> Oof. yikes um but also I think I decided on mouse
0: because
1: oh. they could get around places that I couldn't interested it like if I locked myself out of my apartment just slide them underneath the door frame and they could Give me my keys. <laughs> That's a really tiny mouse. Well, mice are small. Rats are big. Mice Yeah. Are small. and they, they can fit into the size of like a pinhole or something. Mm. Maybe it's not pinhole, but it's very small because all of their bones like deconstruct or something. I don't know. I don't know anatomy of people, let alone mice. <laughs> but I do know that they can fit in
0: smaller yeah. Yeah,
1: smaller holes and their body That's shape looks like they could.
0: I do love cheese, so we could bond over that <laughs> That's for sure. true. <laughs> Big cheese guy.
1: <laughs> um and then who would you pick from the series to be in your head as a wit partner?
0: I wrote down two names for this. Uh one is Leftrin from Rainwild Chronicles cuz he just seems very steady. Okay. He knows like what he wants in life and he like just would give me the uh like the uncle advice kind of thing. Yeah. Just like Hey man. Just do what you want to do. <laughs> I don't know. Uh and he was pretty passionate about, you know, protecting those he loved in the series as well. He's one of the few people in the Rainwild Chronicles that didn't annoy me at some point. Though well, he was, I mean, yeah, probably throughout that whole series. Uh and then I also have Webb Down.
1: Oh, He's okay. the old
0: blood leader that comes out in the Tawny Man trilogy. Sure. Uh he also i feel like could give great advice or just talk through things as well hmm. but if i was like you know feeling dangerous i'd also have night eyes because he has that like playful streak that fair
1: fair. <laughs> you could like joke around with you know huh i think my natural instinct was to pick chade because he knows a lot about everything <laughs> and that would come in handy all the time i think I mean, job interview, he could be, like, analyzing their body language. I don't know. I feel like it has, like, little details that, like, would come in handy that I can't just think of off the top of my head. But I love that idea. But also, I think it would be cool to share conscience with the fool. Because the fool can see the future. (laughs) And... Although it might be a little annoying. Although I don't know if he's a wit partner or like deceased wit partner in my head. Can he still see the future? I don't know.
0: Probably not. And probably just, you know, all the jokes and making fun of you constantly.
1: (laughs) That would be a little annoying, but... I kind of do that already in my head, <laughs> so I think it would be nice, like if I'm in the middle of an argument with somebody, to have a quick-witted person in my brain to think of witty comebacks in the moment. There you go. So, you go. Uh, weird reasons to pick those characters, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. That's those are the questions. Thank you guys for sending in such fun questions as well as questions that are just kind of about us it's fun to know what you guys are wondering about yeah because we don't get to talk a ton a ton outside of the chapter every podcast um so it's nice to be able to every once in a while be able to answer those wider questions that don't have very many opportunities to get answered yeah
0: definitely Thank you so much for everyone who uh, submitted and asked something.
1: Yes, we very much appreciate you guys. And thank you for staying with us for a whole year. Yeah. Or if you're new, yeah, if you're new, that's fine too. Welcome for the next like 10 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for all of your questions and everything like that. Uh, We love hearing from you. Hope you know a little bit more about us and um, hope we can see you guys at some point in the future. Yeah. Thanks for sticking by us for a year. Congratulations, everybody. You
1: Happy birthday to us all, truly. <laughs> yeah,
0: happy birthday to us all. You put up with us.
1: <laughs> See you next year.